rewatch a movie. Claire, Claire, Claire. Bobby Banana. Please don't aggregate this. Lillard, long range three. Their defense is atrocious. I'm sort of the rock star. People, Tiso is the official watch of the NBA. Everybody who listens to this podcast knows how I feel about aggregation. I'm oddly intrigued by neck tattoos. You know, we love China. We love no playing there. Oh, man, oh, man. I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. It's just hitting me right now. Shut up and listen. You think you're better than me? I got to say, yeah, when we first <laughs> talked, when we did our first quarantine pod, I was like, oh, man, like, my guy's in a really dark place, you know? And yeah. I have to say... It's feel it feels like you had a turning point here with uh with with the podcast. Is that fair? Yeah, I would say that's that's very fair. Okay. I the podcast has has really helped me. Uh, it has helped me to not only has it helped me like emotionally in my just day to day life, but it's yeah. also weirdly helped me like reorient things so that I can podcast more. <laughs> if that makes sense Love like it's to almost it. like it <laughs> like it's it's like a self-sustaining thing where yeah. it gives me more sanity and stability and yeah. therefore like reminds me to be like oh i should keep doing that yeah um, it's like a survival tool mechanism yeah it yeah. like literally is at this point and yeah it, and it makes me feel um i don't know if you feel this way by the way i think this is just the podcast right uh, I mean, I've been recording. Great, um, yeah. I think this is the uh, podcast, right? <laughs> Perfect, great. great. <laughs> um, I, I, yeah, I don't know if you feel this way, Chris, but I, every time we do these episodes, I feel a little pang of guilt. Um, mm. It's a very, very <laughs> self-indulgent thing. There's not that many oh things God, in my life that I feel so completely self-indulgent about. Um, you know, it's it's... You know, the, the time, the considerable amount of time that I know uh, both you and I spend doing this show, um, yeah. you know, it, there's always a part of me that's like, oh, this is time I could be spending, you know, with my family or yeah. at doing my job, right. uh, you know, reading a book, whatever. Being responsible. Uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Taking care of some fucking anno- horrible yeah. adult task. Um, sure. And that makes me feel guilty uh, oftentimes. Yeah. Um, this past two weeks, three weeks, however long it's been, uh-huh. is like the least guilty I've ever felt. It's kind of a a great feeling. It's where... probably the best I've felt about the, not just like the creative direction of the podcast, but just also like literally doing the podcast, how it makes me feel. I think you're saying the same thing. It's like, this is the most therapeutic this uh, project has ever been in my life over the last two years. Yeah. Yeah, it's felt like nothing short of uh, of like you know self care, um, like yeah. in a literal sense, and it yeah it makes me feel like a little less guilty because it's like all right, I mean yeah it's obviously still extremely self indulgent. Uh, I could still be spending this time uh, you know doing doing work or right. you know spending time with my wife or whatever, um, which obviously I still do you know plenty of the rest of the time. Um, and she's working now anyway, so I wouldn't be able to, uh, but, um, no, I get it, man. But, but yeah, like it doesn't, it's weird to have any moment, like even half an hour, 20 minutes, an hour 
during this shit storm of a life that we're having right now where you're like smiling or just like feeling distracted about something not related to death and sickness. And it's like, wow, this is very powerful actually that you can have 20, 30 minutes of, uh, joy and pleasure unrelated to, you know, like you said, your wife, your kid or something like that, um, right, where right. you can just like have 20 minutes of escape and, uh, yeah, it's, it's really amazing. Like your escape. Yeah. 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 It's All amazing. Right, and we're really lucky. You know, obviously not, not everyone has the, uh, has the luxury to, uh, for sure to, to spend this time. Well, we uh, definitely we have anyone listening to this. Uh, it's similarly some sort of escape. Uh, even if it's just, um, being fascinated by two psychopaths indulging, <laughs> you know, down a YouTube rabbit hole, we appreciate yeah. you and we hope this is helpful for you. Um, yeah. Whether, whether you are, uh, listening to this through like actual enjoyment or just like lurid fascination, um, we're yeah. just uh, literally with, like with background our... noise. Yeah. 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 That's fine too. Whatever, well, whatever it, yeah. Yeah, man. Um, ben, the pod keeps chugging along. Coronavirus right. be damned. We are continuing. Very, big, very, our, very big episode today. Yeah, we are continuing our rewatch of the 1994 NBA Eastern Conference semifinals. Uh, ben, I know you've amped yourself up for this moment. How are you, man? Oh, boy. Do you, do you have your Knicks uh, fuzzy number one finger, your backwards hat, <laughs> your starter jacket all lined up? I got to be honest with you, Chris. I'm feeling a little bit of Game Seven jitters. Me I don't too, know man. about you, oh, but I am. Baby. I am actually. I'm kind of experiencing. Ugh. It feels a little bit like you know, right before a big draft. It feels like I'm. I'm feeling like this is this is a, a, a really big day. Absolutely, man. There were. Uh, you know, we'll we'll talk about the specific moments in this game, but there were moments uh, during this game, even though we both knew the outcome, where it was like. I just don't know that the Knicks can pull this out here. Like they are, they're looking sluggish here. Like I am real nervous. I am not feeling good. So absolutely, yeah. man. I, I had a lot of jitters heading into this game during the game. Um, but Ben, here it is. The date is May 22nd, 1994. The number two seed New York Knicks are hosting the number three seed Chicago Bulls at Madison Square Garden in New York City. This is for all the marbles. The series. A beautiful 80-degree day oh, in New man. York City. People are rollerblading through Central Park. Uh, I wanted to Marv talk Albert. about that opening <laughs> shot of Central Park. Yeah, baby. Oh, my God. So, yeah, man, we got the round ball rock going. It's the NBA on NBC. Marv Albert and Matt Gukas on the call. We open with Ben, that beautiful shot of those rollerbladers in Central Park. It's a gorgeous 80-degree day. Um, takes you back, huh? Like, make, yeah, makes you miss a, those days. Yep, it's a Sunday afternoon game, so you can just block out your entire day, just plan your, your full Sunday around watching Mix Bulls Game 7 NBA on NBC. Dude, it's so Marv funny. Albert. I mean, we were, we were, you know, kids. Like, I don't know, you were probably, what, like 10, 11 years old during... Yeah, day, I was right? 11 at this point. Yeah, yeah, so same. It was like... This was our whole day. Like literally what you're talking about, like what this was the plan for the day. Uh, You know, like my family, we grew up Catholic. It was like you went to church in the morning, you came home, and then you watched the basketball game. And it was like, you know, like mom and dad are going to be making dinner and we're going to be watching basketball. And that is literally all that happened. And uh, I, I remember it like so crystal clear. 
And um, yeah, just a, a beautiful day. So we start with the pregame, Ben. NBA on NBC. We got those rollerbladers in Central Park. The weather is perfect. We find we hear, of course, that Derek Harper is coming back from his suspension. He's in the starting lineup with John Starks mm-hmm, in the backcourt. Mm-hmm. And man, it is all, you know, all cylinders are firing here. Uh, yeah. we, are, we are amped up. We are ready to go. Patrick Ewing looking extremely focused, um, yes. pacing around prior to tip off, looking, you know, just fully locked in. Yeah, man. The He's MSG, got that game face on. Yeah, the MSG faithful are loud as hell to begin this oh, game. Yeah. That was probably the first thing I noticed was just how loud. Yeah, uh, everything was in the arena at Madison Square Garden for this game. Let's hop into it. Let's let's talk some specifics. Any of your uh, let's let's hop into some specific observations, and then you know we can talk some overarching things as they come up as well. Um, well, yeah, right off the bat, you can tell it's 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 that game seven energy, yep. right? Right from the tip off, uh, Ewing uh, grab you know gets the wins the tip, but then he's so amped up that he slaps the ball like hard out of bounds, straight out of bounds, and he yeah, knocks through the it hands. all the way to the opposite side of the court, right? Like, yeah, like he's, he's trying to tip it back to Harper, I believe. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, the the energy kind of kind of takes over, and he just like smacks the ball out of bounds uh, down on the baseline. Um, and, uh, yeah, just getting, you know, just sh- shaking a little bit, little, little of those nerves off here, uh, as we all, as we all need to do in a game seven, you know, did you think um, the Knicks came out a little tight here? I mean, between Patrick slapping that ball oh, backwards, yeah. it seems like, and then, you know, specifically like the Knicks clanged a few shots off the back of the rim to begin the quarter. There are a couple mental yeah. miscues. So Starks tries to hit Charles Smith with a bath with, with a pass. Um, and it goes right out of bounds. So the Bulls get off to a uh, early lead. They're they're leading four, uh, four points to two with about nine forty in the game, and it just feels like man, it is tight. It is tight yeah. in the building. Both teams are tight. Uh, Ewing picks up a quick first foul, and then he picks up his second foul. Chris with like eight fifty left in the, uh, I believe it was around eight fifty left in the quarter. So mm. he has to sit down. Um, just after playing only three minutes, scoreless. You know, again, Bill Cartwright doing doing uh, his incredibly uncanny uh, work on on Ewing, just shutting him down. But yeah, Ewing goes to the bench with two quick ones, and he will sit out the remainder of the first quarter. Ugh, crucial, man. Yeah, I yeah. did not. I did not remember that. Yeah, there from, were just uh, a lot of fouls, man. It was a very physical. You know, yeah. the, the game was very physical to start. Very, yeah, very typical Knicks Bulls playoff first half. Very ugly. <laughs> lots of fouls. Yeah, something lots of that I shots. noted, man, was Charles Smith seemed like a big part of the game plan for the Knicks early in the first. Um, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. he scored the first basket of the game. They fed him a few times in the post. He hit two uh, free throws to make it six six to four. Uh, Knicks, and um, it just seems like they wanted to get Charles Smith involved early, and then I think once Patrick left the game, it was kind of like it really put the onus on him to, to yeah. really have a more uh, fo- you know like focal point of the offense. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He had a uh, Smith had a big monster dunk with an and one, yep. um, put the Knicks up ten to eight, about seven minutes left, and then so dude, did you find much... there were a lot of dunks specifically in the first quarter? There were yes, a lot there were of, a lot like, of dunks trading in the first quarter, and mm-hmm. specifically. All over fucking Herb know, Williams. Poor Herb, man. Pippen, Herb just got... Pippen puts Herb on a wow. post. Oh, Pippen with a late goal. Right at Herb Williams. 
six, six, uh, game six to six, eight forty ish in the first quarter. Pippen absolutely annihilates Herb and then gets teed up. Statement from Scotty Pippen, who has tied the game at six, and a technical foul has just been called as Ewing and Oakley. with uh, Charles Oakley taunting the Oak Man. Um, but it did feel like there were a lot of, you know, we're trading baskets back and forth. They, 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 it seems like both teams were a little tight, and then they f- sort of find a groove, and it did feel like they were just kind of trading slams at opposite ends of the court. But Pippen, man, really puts Herb on a poster, yeah. 40-ish in the first. Right. That's the first one. So, yeah, Herb Herb comes in. Now, we talked a little bit about Herb last episode, um, how, you know, by this point, he was at the tail end of his career with the Knicks, but he'd been, uh, you know, a pretty, um, uh, uh, you know, prominent guy uh, back in his earlier years with the Pacers and the Mavericks. Dude, it's um, so funny doing these podcasts, how you discover things, like you discover these careers of people that like you know we only knew herb williams in the later half of his career we only knew bill cartwright in the later half of his career it's really fun to go back and investigate kind of before we were conscious of the nba like yeah some of these guys were real legends we just weren't around to appreciate it yet yeah, totally. I mean, in 1994, I couldn't like look up her Williams's like stats, sure. you know, on on the computer and like see like, oh wow, yeah, he was like really good in his younger years. No, you I just floored knew it was, like, me the, the when, old... you, when you were like, yeah, Herb used to average like 18 and eight with a couple of blocks for the Pacers. It's like Herb yeah. Williams of the Knicks, the backup center. Go figure. Yeah, yeah, he was nasty and uh, and a pretty uh, prolific shot blocker in his younger years. Right. However, uh, these were not his younger years. Oh boy. Uh, so. <laughs> You, you, you mentioned that uh, literally like the, the first possession that Herb checks in following Ewing's second foul, Pippen uh, gives him a facial. And then uh, and then like right after that, uh, Pete Myers comes up yeah. and just yams all over him. Massive dunk. They Myers is able to stop. Too straight. Um, and then, yeah, Charles Smith uh, mm-hmm. gets a dunk on the other and end. And one, yep. Yeah, and one. Uh, Oakley hits a jam. And then... Um, Myers, uh, oh, they're coming down on, on a fast break, yep. and Myers, uh, Myers gives it to Grant. Myers to Horace. Yeah. To Horace Grant for another monster, oh. monster jam all over her Williams. Myers for Grant. And the whistle. Just like going Herb. like right, right through him. I wrote yeah, in my notes, get Jesus, Herb getting dunked on left and right, three straight it's facials. Like, listen, Phil, Chicago. Uh, Bulls fans, we get it. Patrick is out of the game. Herb Williams is in, and you want to attack him. But can we relax? Like, yeah, jeez, yeah. they went right at him. Oh man, yeah, um, yeah. Then uh, a couple, a couple possessions later, uh, we're about halfway through the first now. New York's uh, up fourteen eleven, following an offensive tip in by Oakley, and then um, off a of Starks missed three, Pippen grabs it, brings it down. Uh, fakes a three and dishes to Grant for another jam all over <laughs> Williams. Pippen changed his mind. He was about to pop with a good play, able to find Horace Grant. Like I wrote in my notes, my God, Herb, what is going on? Yeah, man. Um, 
four straight just like and i'm not talking like oh he was like in the vicinity and like you know or no. like he's like kind of close by or like his man like you know gets it like gets free for like an open dunk no no no. these are dunks that herb is going up and contesting yeah trying to trying very hard to block and he's just getting dunked all over four times in a row within like a five minute period it was like yeah. it was like shocking i was like i've never seen a player get like abused like that yep <laughs> over and over again yeah. It was really like kind of comical. In fact, at one point, um, uh, Matt Gukas actually says, Herb Williams used to be a good shot blocker in his days in Indiana and in Dallas, but not so much anymore. But not so much anymore. <laughs> yeah, tough stuff, uh, man. We have the uh, Phil getting teed up uh, shortly after this, complaining to the refs. He's screaming to the refs. And, yeah, uh, God, Phil Jackson, what a, what a little bitch, man. Like, he's, he's just, like, always whining, always complaining. Um, like, we don't, like, the, it wasn't even clear, like, what he was whining about. But, yeah, man, dude, what, a, what a little wuss. Something I was thinking about, I think probably in the fourth quarter, I, I scribbled these notes down, but it was something I've been thinking about throughout the duration of this series is, like, the evolution of phil jackson specifically like his image is really Mm -hmm. interesting to me (laughs) and i don't like i this is a very half-baked idea so i need your help with this a little bit but like his look and his vibe sort of really change from like the chicago years he's sort of like this like angry stockbroker like wall street guy with yeah you know what I mean? Yeah, the suspenders, the mustache. He's um, very like about. He's like very capitalism based. Like he just feels yeah. like he's like really into money, and it's probably because the Chicago Bulls were like this like Yankees level organization, like highly yeah, successful, sure. just dominant. Like the dark. and of course you know Chicago known for its its trading floor, you sure. know, its its, its uh, ex- exchanges and all yeah. that, much like New York. Um, so, so he evolves from this sort of like angry Wall Street stockbroker guy who's always like. Like barking on the sidelines, like getting on the refs, like yeah. pointing his finger, the loud baritone baritone voice, yeah, always barking yeah, yeah. at people. The salt and pepper mustache. He's just like really like yeah, angry. doing doing like the doing like the finger whistling. Yes, yes, yes. Hands on the hips. You can see the suspenders. He sort of evolves from that guy into this like zen hippie beach bum with the lakers with the la right, lakers right. where the 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 mustache transforms into a beard yeah and suddenly he's like all about the zen um and which has- is funny because back when he was a player mm-hmm. uh, with the knicks among other teams in the 70s he was like very much like that hippie kind of like had yeah. like long shaggy hair um and then yeah he had like a weird like, like transformation you're right it's like a like, capitalist he like became right he like <laughs> so moved, he a, moved a fucking from stockbroker like, he was like a yogi as a player and then became obsessed with money and capitalism yeah. and, and like trading kind of had like right had, had like a makeover in like the 80s after watching wall street watching wall street and michael douglas exactly and then yeah. he becomes this like zen beach bum with the lakers where he has like the beard and then eventually he goes with the soul patch um, oh yeah, I forgot about the soul patch. The yeah. soul patch. That's right. Very the beard. Prominent. The beard was was for. So the beard was actually a uh, an intermediate step in between the mustache and the uh, right. soul patch because the beard was for the second three peat with the bulls. Right. Um, right. Right. And then when he got to the Lakers, he had the soul patch. That's right. Soul patch. Right. <laughs> and then yeah. And then I mean. And then uh, obviously we could probably, if we wanted to, extend this into his time with the Knicks, where he becomes sort of this like aloof pseudo like philosopher 
Harper professor guy that like yeah. sort of like quotes things and people are like, yo, professor, that doesn't really make sense. Yeah, like, very much high on his own supply. Yeah, just like, like you're just not sitting, really sure what he was doing it, at that point. Yeah, you're like just like sitting in the back of the classroom like pontificating, but like yeah. you're not doing any of the homework. But everyone um, thinks you're a fucking genius. Right, but you're not. You're definitely not. Anyways, yeah. I had that thought. Thank you for allowing me to just sort of tease that out. But yeah, man, like very interesting to think about his evolution from like a look vibe perspective. Phil yeah. Jackson. <laughs> very true. Very, very astute. So Phil gets teed up. We have, you know, different things happening. I have 16 to 14. The Bulls are up at this point. Scotty to Bill Wennington with the N1 in a just mm-hmm. like a really crazy kind of sloppy possession. The Knicks can't yeah, I was going to say rebound. That exact possession, Chris, I have in my notes here. I, I wrote, love this basketball. Players falling all over the place. Ball is flying around. <laughs> right. Loose bodies and balls. Contact. Uh, just sloppy. Yep. Play, play ends in a, yep. in a Winnington and one after like a chaotic sequence. And I'm just, I'm, yes. I'm happy as a pig and shit over here. <laughs> 3.50 left in the first. Uh, Oakley with an incredible steal, fronting Scott Williams. The ball is going out of bounds. Do you remember yes. this play? Mason guarding Pippen. Usually we see Mason against Pippen early in the game. What a play by Oakley. Off the steal, he went behind the back for Mason. So the Bulls have it. They're trying to get the entry pass into Scott Williams. Oakley fronts him and steals the ball. He taps it. The ball. Well, he is pokes going it away first, right? Yeah, he, he pokes he def- it away. He, def- away. he deflects it, and then he has to save it. Ball's going out of bounds, and in order to save it, he flip tosses the ball behind his back to a cutting Anthony Mason. Knicks can't convert on the offensive end, but just like yeah. an amazing feat of athleticism and coordination, and yeah, an incredible you know, of course, play. Oak just dives into the crowd literally body surfs into the crowd and uh what 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 a play yeah honestly chris if i had to like pick one kind of indelible image of the like 93 94 era knicks in my mind uh, i mean obviously of all the different players that they had that we all love so much and all the great moments the thing that like defined that team uh to its like core and its essence like more than anything else is the image of Charles Oakley lying in the first two rows of of the stands after diving for a loose ball. He did that, like, yeah. I swear to God, he must have done that, like, three times every game, like, minimum. He was just, like, he just loved diving into the stands. And it's, yep. <laughs> like, something that, you know, players don't do all that much of anymore, but he just fucking did it constantly. <laughs> and yep. it was, like, he was just, like, he he was the, the master at it. And um, it just, like, epitomized the, the team so much where you're just, like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Like diving into the stands for loose balls. Like that's what we do. Let's talk commercial break, Ben. Uh, so I think this is one of the first commercial breaks that I yeah. took note of. Yeah. So this is the same uh, account, Pick and Roll UK, that yes. we had for for Game Five. Um, and most of the commercial breaks are left intact. However, there are definitely some that are edited out, which yeah. is kind of confusing to me. Yeah. Um, but we got, you know, I, I, I can't complain. Sense. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We 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 got a our fair share now, here. So I have an overarching kind of observation. I'm wondering if you yeah. have the same one too. Ab- yeah, about, talk to me <laughs> about these commercials, Ben. Yeah. <laughs> so now is... this is on this is on NBC, Chris. This is not on TNT. Okay. Very important distinction. Okay. Because I think I noticed the same thing that you that you noticed. What we were you gonna say? are going all in on cars. There are yeah. a lot of car commercials, specifically mm-hmm. Mitsubishi spending the full ad budget 
on cars. I mean, we are getting Oldsmobile commercials, we're getting Armorall commercials, but we are getting yep. a lot, a lot of cars. We're talking Hondas. Castrol's, we're talking <laughs> Castrol Syntec. We're yeah. talking Goodyear Eagle tires. Yeah, so I'm curious, what what in your mind, like you, you mentioned NBC versus TNT, why does it make more sense to you that we're watching car commercials here on NBC as opposed to the TNT cable network? I mean, all I can think of is that NBC is just like a, an older, yep. maybe more affluent, more conservative kind of mainstream audience. Right. Whereas TNT, you know, you're talking cable, you're talking, you know, maybe a younger audience it's like right. into, you know there's a lot more kind of like youth content on that network sure. um than on nbc but i would say that um like big basically picture, nbc is more middle they're trying to reach middle america they're not yeah. looking to find that premium cable subscriber they're not they're not trying to like dip into like the mtv audience right. in any way here okay um and um, sad to say, that is reflected like pretty clearly in the commercial content. Yeah. I was uh, pretty disappointed overall. There, there's a couple of standouts that we'll definitely get to Let's here, Chris. Let's talk about but, like, full, full Contact Golf from Miller Lite. Miller Lite, Full Contact Golf. We got a t-shirt coming out of a beer can. Yeah. Miller Lite presents Full Contact Golf. Yes, this summer, it's not just a sport, it's a free t-shirt. The Full Contact Golf t-shirt. Just look for specially marked packages of Miller Lite at your favorite store. Find this can and win instantly. There are over half a million t-shirts to be won. Cool. Hey, cool shirt. Hey, thanks. The Full Contact Golf t-shirt, coming into Full Contact with you, only from Miller Lite. Hey, great shirt. Great beer. Can your beer do this? So question here, Full Contact Golf from Miller Lite. The premise is basically what? That football guys are tough and can beat up golf nerds? Is that like... Well, it's yeah, it's funny to see football players like tackling a guy on a golf course. Gotcha, that's, gotcha. That's funny. Gotcha, gotcha. It's gotcha. like golf, but but with like tackling. With yeah. tackling. I see. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean... The idea yeah, is makes... let's get drunk and play football on a golf course and beat up right. some nerds. Yeah. And then like one out of every like thousand cans Gets of a Miller Lite, <laughs> there won't be beer in, there will be a t-shirt in. I was looking so... to get drunk, but instead I got this sick triple XL t-shirt. Yeah, I'm not sure how that would work. Like, would it just be like like when you buy a six pack from the store, like one of the cans just like has a t-shirt or was that... Yeah. I, mean, I was very confused by that whole promotion. Very... Very odd. Did you watch um, the uh, HBO sh- series about uh, called McMillions about the uh, McDonald's uh, monopoly scam? No, it, it that j- sounds awesome though. Yeah, it's great. Highly recommend if you're looking for something in your quarantine. But uh, it definitely just made me think of that. Where like, how, yeah, exactly. How would that work? Like, you go to crack open a beer and it just feels like much lighter than like a normal can of beer and then you're like yeah i was gonna say you could probably game that pretty easily by just like picking up <laughs> picking up the six packs in your like, in your supermarket this one feels a like, little lighter maybe i'll have a t-shirt instead of a can of beer yeah um yeah so anyways we cut back to the game unless there's a uh a special you know commercial that you want to talk about here otherwise we, we can talk about cutting back to the game and ben we yeah have, no that first break pretty pretty unremarkable we got um, some celebrities in but the we house. got celebro oh right. baby yeah 
crowd of the Garden responding to the many personalities on hand at courtside. Tom, Tom mm-hmm. Cruise. Tom Cruise and his lovely wife, Nicole Kidman. Ben, do you know, is this circa, like, Vampire Diaries? I, I did see Cruise with the long hair. You mean inter- Interview with the and, Vampire? Sorry, Interview with the Vampire, of course. Yeah, Excuse I me. think so. I'm pretty sure was that was definitely of, in 94. He was looking, looking very gaunt. Very vampire-y there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Long hair, very gaunt-looking. Goatee. And then, of course, we have Rick Moranis, the GOAT, Rick Moranis. Love seeing Rick Moranis at the Knicks game. Oh, honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Of course, he's in. He's there. You know, not there promoting, but like he, he is a celebrity at that point because he's in the newly released um, Flintstones movie coming out as Barney Rubble. Yeah, the live-action Flintstones, which was really getting a lot of uh, a lot of promotion during this game. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Then of course we have our friends Woody Allen and Soon Yi. Uh, Got to show Woody. Always good uh, to see Woody. <laughs> contractually obligated to show Woody every game. Yeah, uh, and of course Ben, we it would not be a Nick game without our guy <laughs> Maury Povich. <laughs> Maury, Maury enjoying the game with his apparently good friend sitting right next to him, mm-hmm. Billy Baldwin. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Love seeing those guys rubbing elbows, uh, really? taking in a, a fine Sunday afternoon basketball game. Very comforting. Yeah. And yeah. Then, uh, yeah. Maury, and, Maury and Billy. <laughs> then you have John Thompson there checking out mm-hmm. uh, his former Georgetown legend Patrick Ewing playing center. And uh, Bill Murray, avid Chicago yeah. Bulls fan. Bill Murray. Yeah. Bill Murray. Boo, Bill Murray. That's right. All right, so we are back. Uh, we're back now uh, to the end of the first quarter here. Uh, in my notes, I have Mason uh, draining a jumper, tying the game at 18-18. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, anything else noteworthy that you uh, want to talk about? Right after that, Oakley uh, knocks away uh, another inbounds pass. Um, there's a 24-second violation on the Bulls after some more deflections. Just. Yeah. You know, just ugly, stingy defense by the Knicks. Yeah. Um, two minutes left in the quarter now. Harper drains along two to put them up twenty to eighteen. Yeah. Another steal by Oakley. Um, and I just have in my notes, God, he's so tough. Um, yep. Yeah. Oakley is just everywhere, all over the court. Um, yeah. Minute left in the quarter now. Kukoc checks in for Pippen. Hubert yeah. Davis checks in. Mm-hmm. Something I had down. Bill Wennington with three fouls in the first. Oh yeah, yeah. Bill so Wennington, Bill Wennington, who is the third, the third center on the Bulls. So Cartwright starts the game. He leaves. So the funny thing is that as soon as Ewing picks up his, um, that's right. I forgot to note this. As soon as Ewing uh, picked up a second foul and sat down, Phil Jackson immediately benched Cartwright as well. So he was like literally like only in there to guard Ewing because yeah. he was Patrick so Stafford. ineffective yeah. offensively. Um, if he's not in there to guard Ewing, like they just like didn't want him on the court, which I thought was like uh, pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, that he's like that, yeah. like uh, much of a uni tasker. So Cartwright uh, sits. Uh, Luke Longley uh, comes in, but he I guess picks up a couple of quick fouls, and then Bill Wennington yeah, comes dude. in, and <laughs> they draw the third foul on Wennington with like a minute left in the quarter. Incredible. Um, yeah. Wennington with incredible. three fouls, Longley, Longley with two, Patrick with two. I was like, sheesh, man. Like, these refs are calling everything. But just gives you a sense the game was extremely yeah. physical early on her, here. Her Williams um, gets uh, his third foul. Um, 
uh, still in the first quarter, and I just wrote, gotta love 90s Knicks playoff basketball. Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Patrick, all in all, has two fouls, only plays three minutes of the first, and we head into the second quarter. Knicks 22, Bulls 19. Yeah, sadly, there are no ads following the first quarter. Um, those got cut out. I was very I love sad that about that. Marv... Marv mentions that Phil Jackson gave a quote before the game about how MSG is actually a neutral court for the Bulls. Well, yesterday, Phil Jackson made a reference to Madison Square Garden being a neutral territory. We had asked Phil about that earlier. What he meant, he said, was the fact that now the the Bulls are accustomed to playing here at the Garden with the, the loud crowd and perhaps the calls going the next way, as Phil has uh, certainly indicated. Home court advantage here. The Bulls are accustomed to playing at MSG, so yeah, uh, he, okay. he wants it to be known that uh, there is no home court advantage today for the Knicks. This is a neutral court here for yep. uh, for everyone playing. Just totally coincidental that the Bulls uh, had not won a game there uh, during the series. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, they note that uh, Chicago had Davis. eight turnovers. Oh, yeah. Hubert Davis comes in to start the second. Mm. Uh, starts the second with with uh, a long jumper. Bears a long jumper. I thought it was uh, yeah. I thought it was a three pointer, but uh, it was just a long two. Hubert stretches a three point lead to a five point lead to begin the second. So now yeah. It one is thing I noticed four to nineteen. Uh, something that they did a lot back in the nineties, Chris, was the foot on the line too. <laughs> like they did that so much. Like oh it must have God. happened like five times this game. Where you're like, oh, sweet, that's a three-pointer. And then it's like, oh, no, his foot was on the line. Like, they just they just weren't really good at that yet. <laughs> it's, like, insane to me yeah. um, how often that happened. But, like, yeah, they just, you know, yeah. they just weren't thinking I mean, about too much. I mean, I would say, like, the, yeah, the modern obsession, obviously, the way the game has changed with three-pointers has, like, you would, nowadays, you would lose your job. I mean, like, I can't remember the last time job. Yeah, I can't remember the last time I saw a player uh, shoot a three with his foot on the line. Like they're just like machines that don't do that anymore any longer. It's crazy. No, you would uh, like in the modern NBA, you would lose your job if you were a spot. If your job was to be, you know, uh, like if your job was um, like if you were Duncan Robinson and you were like a G League player trying to land a spot on the Miami Heat, and your job is to be like a three-point specialist. You're trying to get a job, and like you had your foot on the line, and yeah. for a three, like you would literally lose your job. You know, like yeah. that would be like a cardinal sin in today's NBA. And you're right, yeah. like we never really see that called anymore because it's just fundamentally like not an issue. No one would make that mistake. Yeah, players just don't do that anymore. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, um, I have Ewing here with a beautiful no look behind the head pass to Oakley. pass from Ewing. Oakley with eight points. And the post a, makes it a, a 26 26 pass. Um, however, ooh, yep. right before that, Chris, um, and, uh, this crazy yes. thing that I, that I saw, talking about the difference between you know, today and, and the 90s uh, era basketball, Tony Kukoc did a Euro step. Oh, did, really? Did you catch that? I was like, like my jaw hit the floor. I was like, oh. On the three, gets inside. Gorgeous move by Tony Kukoc. Oh my god, that was the Euro step. Oh my god. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. It was a straight up perfect Euro step. Wow. Um, Wow. He could teach Manu Ginobili something. He could teach James Harden something. Wow. Wow. Yeah, exactly. What a move. Yeah, steal steal by Kerr, goes to Kukoc. Boom. Euro step right through Greg Anthony for a layup. I was just like, whoa. 
I didn't know that that existed in 1994. Um, Turns out it did, yeah. But yeah, so then, right, you mentioned the sick pass by Ewing. Ewing Mm. finishes this game with six assists. He was dropping a lot of these beautiful, um, like, interior, you know, pocket passes and little, uh, you know, flips inside after, like, double teams and stuff. Um, Yep. Yeah, he, uh, uh, so he's still not scoring. This is, you know, we're in the second quarter. He still hasn't really... Uh, he hasn't even made a shot yet, but um, yeah. but yeah, well, doing doing you, things. You love it, man. Like you can, he kind of senses that the game isn't coming to him offensively right now in terms of hitting shots. So he's finding other ways to contribute, and just like a gorgeous kind of flip over the shoulder finds Oakley in the post, and yeah. uh, just just you know, yeah, great, great look, great look. <laughs> I was gonna say after a uh, a sweet little Hebert Davis drive, uh, Knicks are up twenty eight twenty five timeout with 9.30 to go in the second and we get a commercial break ooh baby I think I got that, it yeah yeah that might include my favorite commercial and then so. uh, we've we've mentioned this is a pretty low bar a lot of these you know we get a Mitsubishi Gallant mm-hmm. we get a McDonald's uh, silly billboard commercial mm-hmm. um, some kind of claymation dinosaur for a copy machine pretty cool but then but then <laughs> At thirty four fifty one, I'm there, baby. Yeah, yep. Ice draft, ice draft from Budweiser. Ice draft from Budweiser. Well, as I was saying, I'll bring the cold drafts, and you just bring those beautiful eyes of yours. Yeah. Could you hold on? When cold filtered isn't cool enough. Hi, it's your shot. Ice draft. I've got to go. It's ice brewed below freezing, then cold filtered. Better draft. Taste the future. Ice draft. Only from Budweiser. We get this advertisement. In my notes, like, I have Ben. Can you please explain this commercial to me? I literally don't understand. It's a lady okay, hang on. on a date at a pool hall. We'll begin with that. Yeah. So she's she's not at a pool hall. She's like she's like in her future. So this is like clearly. I think this is in the we're in the future now. Okay. I believe it is like some sort of. I think it's the future. It feels very like cyberpunky to me. Yes, because she's sitting um, in her in her apartment, um, like <laughs> lounging on her couch, looking at a giant video screen uh-huh. of like this guy who's like kind of being like sleazy, like maybe a like a guy that she's dating, and he's like winking at her. Right. Um, and she's like, "Hold on," and then she swipes this like cool futuristic finger pad mm. to change the video from the sleazy like douchey guy to this like much cooler hotter guy right. who's playing pool uh-huh. now this is still on her video screen so she's just like sitting and like uh observing him and clearly like has eyes for him yeah. and then he like uh puts down his ice draft beer uh in front of the uh, the, <laughs> the video camera and then she like swipes back to the other like douchey guy and is like sorry i gotta go wow um and he's like all disappointed and then she walks out of her cool futuristic apartment goes down this like very like blade runnery like light um <laughs> like shadowy uh, elevator shaft yeah um to show up at the pool hall where the hot hunk guy is waiting for her and they have two ice drafts to enjoy together awesome and then wait the very last shot i just noticed this the very last shot of the commercial mm. the pool hall is like on the roof of a building yeah, yeah, there's again, like I don't understand it. I'm not gonna pretend whoa. to understand it. Yeah, yeah. There's like spotlights and like a metal ladder um, where this like red pool table is is sitting. 
Um, yeah, so cool. I love the world that it creates. Um, was very, very into the ice draft from Budweiser ad. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I, I want to give a quick shout out here to the Mitsubishi Galant. Meaningful luxury in the all new Mitsubishi Galant means extraordinary attention to safety and security. These are a few of my favorite things. Love yeah. all the added accessories in this bad boy. You have height-adjusted shoulder belts. You have dual airbags, standard anti-lock brakes, a really mm. sweet-looking car. And the Galant was a luxury automobile. Make no mistake, folks. No, man. This thing was, yeah, this thing was fully loaded, and uh, it is a sweet-looking ride. It's, uh, I believe it was f- available for an affordable, yeah, it's under 14 grand, starting at 13. Wow. Thirteen six, very affordable. Very sensible. Yeah, very yeah. sensible. Mid-sized sedan. The commercial is uh, is set to a, a nice jazzy cover of "These Are a Few of My Favorite Things." Mm, that's um, right. That's right. That's right. That that paired very well with the uh, with the visuals of the car. All right, back in the game here now. Tony Kukoc is very good. Uh, Tony, yeah. T- Tony Kukoc is a very good player. Here's Kukoc. He got the step. Oakley went to play him aggressively, and he got. Slashing to the rim, taking Oak off the dribble, makes it a 29-28 Chicago lead with about eight minutes and 50 seconds left in the second. Um, Yeah, man, Kukoc was an impact player. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, got the step on Oakley for a layup. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, very quick um, for a 6'11 white guy. Yep. Yeah, Hubert answers with another foot on the line, too. My God, Hubert Davis. (laughs) Uh, take a fucking three-pointer, man. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. Uh, Cartwright blocked by Ewing. Mm. Oh, oh, yeah. And, that, like, uh, Cartwright's, like, forced into, like, the deep corner and has to, like, put up, oh, like... Oh, that's right. Like, almost, almost a corner three. Dude, how about but his But he doesn't shot? even get it off. How about his, like, form? You know, you can oh, tell... Yeah. You can Cartwright's tell gotta... the guy was just not built to shoot threes. There were certain people no. that would have worked as a stretch three <laughs> nowadays, yeah. uh, as a stretch five, I should say, nowadays. And Bill Cartwright was not one of those guys. But I will say, yeah. as crazy as this sounds, I do think Patrick could have... You know, young Patrick, healthy Patrick, pre-arthritic knees Patrick could have done some damage if he really worked on his on his outside shot. Absolutely. Um, he yeah. totally could have been if if he was in a different era, he had the stroke and like yeah. the form if to he worked, absolutely be if he worked on yeah. his shot, I think he could have been a real effective player nowadays. I mean he was lethal from like twenty feet. Like yeah. he would regularly like step out there and like swish like long J's. Yeah. But his jumper was really smooth, man. It was like and, oh, and, yeah. and he had a really high release. And watching mm-hmm, Cartwright mm-hmm. get blocked like that on uh, in the corner I was like, Oh yeah, you're just not supposed to be shooting that shot. Like you don't have yeah the form or the skill to be like trying to pull that off. Yeah. That's one of the reasons why he would not play when Patrick Ewing was not in the game. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I have here, uh, following that another, uh, offensive rebound by Oakley, mm. but another, uh, missed three from Davis. Knicks are 0 of six from three at this point with about six minutes left. Uh, it's a tie game. Uh, we go to commercial mm. and we see a spot for <sighs> Beverly Hills cop three. Three. Hello, my name's Axel Foley. I'm looking for... Hello. Welcome to the Beverly Hills Police Department. Detective Axel Foley is back. Trust me on this one, okay? And he's in for the ride of his life. Yeah, To continue this message in English... Yeah. Three was the one that was basically, like, I think it, like, takes place, like, at an amusement park. Um, 
Like like much of it. Do you remember Beverly remember, Hills Cop Three? I don't remember Beverly Hi- Beverly Hills Cop Three well enough to yeah. say yeah. It was like the full on just like let's just go over the top ridiculous. Um, yeah, very entertaining flick. Uh, obviously, not nowhere near as good as like the original, but sure. um, but Eddie Murphy. But, uh, yeah, I mean, hey, Eddie, Eddie Murphy in his prime doing his thing. Can't can't go wrong. Mm. Yeah, man, a lot of commercials in this break. A lot, a lot of car commercials, I would say, during during this uh, during this game. A lot of, we had the Mitsubishi Eclipse. I was going to say, how do we feel about this Mitsubishi Eclipse driving out of a billboard on the side of a bus? Very, very cool CG for 1994. Oh, wow, look at that. I thought it was going to be a bus commercial, <laughs> and it's actually a Mitsubishi Eclipse commercial. If you're looking for a way to get from here to there that eclipses all other forms of transportation, look at this. The Mitsubishi Eclipse. Jeez, I thought this was going to be a commercial for a bus. Yeah, no. Incredible. You see a bus pull up and you're like, boring. Very affordable. $159 a month, uh, you know, (laughs) $1,000 factory cash back. Uh, this thing oh, wow. is just gonna fly through the desert, fly That's through these deal. desert uh, roads. Yeah, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. yeah, man. Just a lot of car, a lot of car commercials, a lot of car commercials here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and then I took note of the NBA basketball cards commercial. Yeah, the upper, these NBA basketball cards are totally out of control. Oh my yeah. god, breaking all boundaries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't think they were upper deck because they didn't actually give a, a like a name brand no, at the end. I think it was just like the NBA yeah. produced. I don't know. Maybe it was like Tops or something. But I they know. Didn't, so I yeah they didn't they didn't give a name. At the I end. took note of upper deck because I saw the upper deck logo on the cards, but I don't think uh, it, there you go. But I don't think it was an upper deck commercial which is weird was it just an ad for basketball cards not all cards are bound by the paper they're printed on nba basketball cards are totally out of control (laughs) yes i think it was like an nba commercial where it was like it was like don't forget here's a reminder like you can go out and buy basketball cards don't forget if you like basketball you can get basketball cards such as these wow yeah yeah (laughs) that's amazing to think about you might be right it, it wasn't a commercial for like a brand per se it was more just right. a commercial that just the, like, the nba wanted to let you know if you like basketball then you can get yeah. basketball cards like you and your friends can go out and get basketball cards yep. and like trade them and stuff yep yeah. yep 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 good, rem- good reminder then um, we have the uh, french open commercial presented by fresca that's very exciting we're all looking forward mm. to steffi graf and mm-hmm. then um we are back. i like that weird coca-cola ad with like the kind of yes. like funky like african music and the and like a weird and yeah it's like that weird um like yeah. flowing animation yeah yes very uh very very like world music very avant-garde for sure mm-hmm. um we come back we have a flashback in history seeing a clip from the celtics and the pistons of course when uh what was it the celtics were eliminated by the bad boy no, pistons celtics in, in sixers oh celtic sixers excuse me yeah eliminated this is from 82 yeah eliminated by uh dr j and the sixers right and uh, yeah in 82 which is the last time their road road team won a game seven and it was notable because the fans in boston were chanting beat la beat la like kind of like right. we're, we're all united in beating the lakers here very yeah. very it's fun. like we just saw we just saw you beat our team but we still hate the lakers even more than yep. you yep um um, which I really like. The most important um, thing. Yeah, I love that unity. Yeah. All right, so we Indeed. come back. Of course, in 1982, the Sixers did not beat LA, mm. but they did beat them the following year in 83. Mm, so. mm, mm, mm. We go. come back out of the commercial break. Six minutes and change left that, left in the second. The Knicks uh, finally end a five-minute drought. Oakley uh, tips a putback into the basket, 33-32. 
Uh, Chicago is up by one point at this point with about three minutes left. If I skipped over anything that was important to you, Ben, let me know. Uh, um, I'm just oh, just that they, they, yeah, no, uh, after a, a missed alley from Charles Smith, fucking, uh, Matt Gukas has to bring up game five of oh, 93. God. Yeah. Um, and, and Marv Albert chimes in four opportunities and he couldn't put it down. Wow, and leave it like, alone, fellas. We, we talked about this last time. Like that media narrative was yes. such bullshit. Yeah, um, man, it really was. He, he didn't just like miss four straight layups. It and was he, incredible stifling defense. Here's the Leave thing. Charles alone. Leave Charles alone. Here's the thing. My impressionable child, you know, childlike mind at the time was colored by that narrative to the point where very much so very much so i but i really forgot how good of a player he was like yeah me too i conflated i conflated him being unable to convert in that playoff series with him being a bad player and i always i was like oh he was soft like he was soft yeah man but watching this series like i said in the first quarter he was the offensive game plan it was literally like feed charles smith the ball in the post and yeah. um, it's just a shame that that's like the spin on his career because he was a hell of a player. Hell of a player. He was a hell of a player. And also, uh, I don't think we've noted this uh, previously, but he was playing this entire playoffs on a pretty badly injured knee. Mm. Um, he uh, himself had knee surgery similar to Starks, um, like sort of in the second half of the season um, and hadn't and had only like pretty recently come back. And so he was still wearing like a pretty heavy uh, like brace, like bandage thing, uh, you know, like ace bandage type thing on his knee. Um, and at one point later this game, he actually like comes up lame after like trying to like race down a, a loose ball. And uh, I think following game five, um, there was a, a post game uh, on MSG where he like talks about like, you know, he basically like comes out and like sees how his knee feels like during, you know, pregame and kind of like, you know, he's like, oh, you know, it felt pretty good. So yeah. I like, gave it a go. Like he was like, you know, yeah. probably like wouldn't have been playing if it weren't for the battles. For sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So Knicks end a five minute droughts uh, with that Oakley tip back that I mentioned. 33 32 Chicago, about three minutes left. We head to a commercial break. Dude, how about this Charles Barkley commercial? He's reading yeah. us. Yeah. Oh, uh, Ooh, uh, some. Yeah, some fairly heavy content. We had uh, this with the BJ Armstrong uh, commercial yeah, we didn't, in last game, and we didn't mention this last last time. But BJ Armstrong had like a childhood, uh, like a like know, a domestic uh, violence uh, letter. I think that he was reading about someone. Yeah, who was like reading up. a letter from like a like a eleven year old kid who'd been like beaten by his parents. Yeah. It was like, Really fucking sad, you know. It was uh, basically just an advertisement for a, a charity you that forgot that there deals were, with domestic you forgot violence. That, that there were ads like this in terms of tone, yeah. where it was like, yeah, sometimes they go real dark and real yeah. goddamn You're serious. Just like, Fuck, I was not in the mental headspace. <laughs> yeah, to it was like deal with that. Right You're now. not selling me a product. You're just warning yeah. me about like violence against women and children and stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. Charles Barkley has a has an ad where he reads a story about a um, a phoenix case i guess where yes. there's a juvenile homicide yeah uh very dark and, uh, and then and fucked up we cut to a, another mitsubishi commercial man like yep back to the gallant the I gallant think this is the same the favorite things at i think it's, it's just a repeat it's right? the gallant es yeah and th- again a very classy vehicle we are all in with mitsubishi and these ads 199 a month 500 yeah can we get the numbers again on that on sure. that deal so it's uh, a 199 a month uh, 750 down comes with you know all the bells and whistles. You're getting you know anti-lock brakes. You know you're getting leather. You're getting the sound system, auto transmission, mm. air conditioning. All of it comes in that mm. Mitsubishi. Um, 
Yeah, and then of course we get full contact golf again from Miller Lite. Yeah, that's a fun commercial. We know about these guys tackling golfers, and uh, and then and then we get a little a little catnip, Ben, a little preview. Oh yeah, this Bob was awesome. Costas with a halftime show preview. A little little wet your yeah. whistle here, folks. Bob Costas at the NBA studios in Secaucus, New Jersey. On the Prudential Halftime Report, we'll bring you live coverage of the NBA Draft Lottery. That will determine the order of selection for the top picks in next month's NBA Draft. One of the teams in the lottery is the Sacramento Kings. This would be their old logo that you're looking at. The Kings are set to unveil a new logo, which they hope will bring them good fortune in today's lottery. This is a live shot at Kings headquarters, and here is the new logo. That has been a city that's benefited more from a corporate headquarters than Secaucus, New Jersey, home of the NBA corporate offices. That is where the NBA Replay Center is. That is where Bob Costas is doing this halftime show from. I have Mm. associated Secaucus, New Jersey with the NBA my entire life, (laughs) since childhood. All I know about Secaucus, New Jersey, it's the home of the goddamn basketball. Yeah, world-famous Secaucus, New Jersey. We all know the name. I don't know what else is in Secaucus. I don't know if people live live there are there houses there yeah could i think it might just be one big office now costas here uh really gets us excited titillates us here with the king's logo reveal Um, yeah wait wait so before that though they note that the now this was like a tragedy because it was not actually shown in the um in the broadcast that we have on youtube so the halftime was cut out no man but they they had this teaser with bob costas where he um, previews that the draft lottery Ugh. would be held live at halftime, which was like <sighs> shocking to me. Like how wait, they just they didn't do it on like a separate day I or know. a night or like I know. they just had the draft lottery in the middle of of, of of a NBA playoff game. Of course, just we, squeezed it in there. We know about exciting draft lotteries having just you know podcast during a draft lottery this past year hoping the Knicks could land that number one overall pick for Zion of course um but yeah man I would have loved to have seen that okay a couple thoughts here King's logo reveal yeah new King's logo unveiled gotta say um, man I really dug that old school King's logo I know I know really really bummed to see the old one yeah. I believe we we drafted it in our jerseys draft yes but yes. uh you know hey so, this is the year 1994 we gotta yeah. it's out with the old and with the new we gotta update our look we gotta get you know in with the the kids and the, and the streets and yeah be yeah, cool yeah. get some some darker some edgier colors in there Sacramento hoping for a little luck in the NBA lottery unveiling a new logo Ben um a little draft lottery uh, trivia for you here. You want to guess mm. the number one overall pick in 1994. So I will, you know, give you a hint. Sacramento mm-hmm. did not wind up winning the number one overall pick. That's um, right. Do you want to guess who it, the number one overall pick was? Who was the player in the team? He's a guy that we've um, discussed on this podcast. I believe he was mm-hmm. six, he was selected, I think, in the nicknames draft. Ooh, mid mid nineties, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think because it, ni- it wasn't. Uh, it's not so Shaq. ninety. F- it's not ninety five. Yeah, no, ninety five draft was um, ninety five was uh, was was Joe Smith yep. to the Warriors. This is pre right? pre Iverson post Shaq. So ninety four. Oh fuck! I should definitely know this. Was it? It's a guy we love. It's a guy we love who has had sort of a unheralded NBA career. So think about a number one overall pick 
that wasn't like a megastar, is not going to make the Hall of Fame, but had a really mm. good statistical career, but like was never considered like, you know, an M- all NBA player or anything like that. Right. Uh, fuck. So I know that Grant Hill is drafted, I'll tell you but this. he's not number one. If I and give I know you... that Jason Kidd is yeah. drafted, but he's not number good, one. Good. You're right there, man. Um, and... If... If I were to give you the team, you would know it right away. Because the player um, is synonymous with the team. Fuck. Uh, hang on. Give me like two more yeah. minutes. I'm racking my brain here. 94. God, how do I not know? I like, I like, mem- like, you, I memorize like most of these drafts. Yeah. Grant Hill um, and Jason Kidd is great. So yeah, number yeah, three. Well, they, won, they won co-MVPs. Yep. Or co-rookie of the year, that is. With the second pick. In the 1994 NBA draft, the Dallas Mavericks select Jason Kidd from the University of California. After winning back-to-back state championships in California, you went to Cal and turned that program around. What do you see in Dallas as your challenge? How do you view the situation with the Mavs? Well, um, coming to Dallas, I, I see the same opportunity that I had at Cal with uh, nobody really re- recognizing the Cal talents. And I know Dallas has the same opportunity with Jimmy and Jamal, and hopefully with myself. So now I hope I can do the same thing I did at Cal at Dallas. Hubie and Doug said that Dick Mata is not the type that's going to give you the ball and say, run with it. Does his style conflict with your talents? No, not at all. Right now I'm just happy to be here. And uh, hopefully I can talk to Coach Mata, and uh, maybe he will give me the ball, and hopefully I can do what I do best, and that's pass. Just a couple years ago, you are the high school player of the year. Now you're the number one pick of the Dallas Mavs. Can you believe all this has happened? When did you dream that this was what you wanted to do and the dream may be realized? Well, this has always been a childhood dream for myself, but to be living it right now, I can't believe it. And I think after tomorrow, I'll really realize what's happening. With the third pick in the 1994 NBA draft, the Detroit Pistons select Grant Hill from Duke University. How can you sit there and tell me you're nervous? All the stuff going to the Final Four, leading the Duke team, concert pianist, everything you've done, now you tell me how nervous you were. Well, uh, I'm real nervous. This is a dream come true, and uh, I've been here before in this building, and we won, and uh, I'm more nervous now than I was when we won uh, back four years ago, but it's just a, it's a great feeling. People expect you to be an outstanding player immediately. Comparisons to Scottie Pippen, one of the best players in the league. What pressure do you feel? I don't feel any pressure at all. I'm just trying to go out there and do what I've done all my life, and that's play basketball, and that's try to win. Uh, I don't listen to comparisons. I go out there and try to be Grant Hill and uh, do all I can. You've been around pro athletes all your life. You've been exposed to big-time athletics. How do you feel now that you're a pro, people asking you for your autograph? I still can't believe it. It seems like yesterday I was asking all those people for autographs, and now people today are asking me. Uh, It's all pretty overwhelming, and uh, it's just a dream come true. Some people said you were not assertive enough. Doug responded saying, obviously, your last year you stepped forward. How did your role change? Well, I think my role over the last four years changed uh, on each team, and as I became a senior, uh, my role was more to be more assertive and to look to, to do more, and uh, hopefully we can carry that over to, uh, to the next level. How do you fit in with the Pistons? I think I fit in good. Uh, they have a lot of young players, Allen Houston and Lindsey Hunter, and, uh, of course, Joe Dumars, uh, Terry Mills, and uh, I'm looking forward. I'm very excited, and I can't wait, to, uh, can't wait to get to Detroit. Jason Kidd from Cal goes to Dallas. And Dallas. The, the number one overall pick. 
number one overall pick. It's not Minnesota. Nope. It's not. Uh, it's not Sacramento. It's not the Clippers. Not Golden State. Uh, you want the it's team? Not, uh, God, I really feel like I should get this without any help. Um, but all right, fine. Just to move things along, give me the team. The Milwaukee Bucks have the first selection in the draft here tonight. And David Stern will be announcing that draft pick for the Milwaukee Bucks. Here's the commissioner of the NBA. <clears throat> oh, of course. With the first pick in the 1994 NBA draft, the Milwaukee Bucks select Glenn Robinson from Purdue University. Surprising nobody, the big dog, Glenn Robinson. Big dog. Uh, Glenn Robinson out of Purdue. Wow. The number one overall wow. pick to the Milwaukee He really Bucks. is. He's such, I mean, there's a perfect example of how forgotten <laughs> Glenn Robinson yeah. is. Had like sadly. a... Had like a, you know, very, very, very good, probably, I don't know, what, 15-year, 12-year NBA career. Yeah. Put up nice yeah. numbers, mostly a scorer, kind of rebounder, never like an all-NBA sort of talent. but right. A bit uh, of a empty calories type Yeah, guy, compiler, but... you would say. Um, yeah. Okay, and then here's another fun piece. So, so while we're on the Sacramento Kings... With the eighth, so the Kings wound up having the eighth overall pick. With the eighth pick in the 1994 NBA draft, the Sacramento Kings select Brian Grant from Xavier University. Brian Grant. Oh, yeah. From Xavier. Brian Grant. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Number number 33. Yeah. Really nice career, primarily with the Blazers and the Heat. Yeah, I was going to say, he was on the the JL Blazers. Yeah. Yeah, Pretty pretty good backup power forward. Yep, 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 yep. Brian Grant. And I I just was down a rabbit hole, of course, at this point. And I was like, whatever happened to Brian Grant? So uh, he actually was diagnosed (laughs) with Parkinson's and, uh, yeah, created a really great foundation and still lives in Oregon, and is, sounds like he's doing a lot of really great work for Parkinson's and awesome. getting people money. So there, there's a good story. Brian Grant. Yeah, so... All right. Way yeah. to go, Brian Grant. All right. So back to the Knicks and the Bulls. Um, there is a couple Sorry, minutes. real real quick. Yeah. Uh, just while he's still on, my, on the top of my mind. Uh, do you remember a guy named Walt Williams? Oh, of course. Yeah. Side the tomahawk missed by Wallace. Out to Williams. Slithering, sneaking, and feeding the crib. What a play. By Jimmy Jackson's pass, but look at Williams going to the go trailer act with the ball behind his back and pass to Grant. They call him the Wizard. Is Dude, I loved Walt Williams. I don't know why he had like high socks. He's yeah. like. A real like uh, kind of point forward like uh, yes, stick dude. dribbler and passer yes. from like yes. the forward position. Yes, they, they nicknamed him the Wizard. Yes, um, yeah, we got to talk more about Walt Williams at some point. Just just wanted to uh, stick a pin in that one. But anytime uh, yeah. you want, my guy, we are <laughs> in right. an indefinite quarantine. We got all the time in the world. Yeah, could very well have yeah. an entire Walt Williams episode at some point soon. Happy to do it. Yeah, happy right. happy to make that happen. All right. So oh, but wait. We, so sorry. Yeah. Real quick. Last thing. I promise. Um, and this actually relates back to our broadcast here. Uh, mm. All those players that we just mentioned were not the player to come out and unveil the Kings, the new Kings logo for the first time. Um, and you're thinking like, oh, you know, you use your star player to <laughs> unveil your new logo and your new uniform, right? Mister Sacramento King. Who was it? Yeah. 
new uniform. Spud Webb walking out, marketing the new uniform, or modeling it, or both. So, we'll be here at halftime for the draft lottery right now, back across the Hudson River. To Marv Albert and Matt Gukas, both of whom are wearing new suits. Spud Webb <laughs> is the player, the first player to come out modeling the new logo. Love that. Um, yeah, the Kings didn't have a lot of... I mean, Mitch Richmond is on the team at this point. I'm sort of right. surprised he's not um, the, the, the the guy. The marquee name. But, you know, I mean, Spud Webb, obviously a huge fan favorite. You know, yeah. five foot seven, slam dunk champion. Right. Um, gotta love Spud Webb, you know, in his, in his later years at that point with Sacramento. But, uh, yeah, still, uh, still a fun player. Yeah. All, All right. right. Getting back to the game. Yeah, coming back to the game. So we move from Costas in the studio back to Madison Square Garden. I love you. We see the fans with the D and the fence in, in the mm-hmm. crowd. Noted that, too. Oh, yep, the, the famous, iconic D fence yes. uh, sign. And yep. I'll say, like, that D and the fence, I always kind of associated with, like, football games. And it, mm. and it, like, speaks volumes to me that it would be at a Knicks basketball game. You know what yeah. I mean? It, <laughs> it was like... It- it's like the New York Giant, head, the New York Giants and the Chicago Bears, the way they play defense is the way the New York Knicks want to play basketball. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. In my in my head, uh the Garden is the only basketball arena that you would ever see the the D in the fence, yes. but I'm I mean I'm sure other teams used it, but like I was like, "Oh yeah, that's such a Garden thing." Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Pippen has 9 points, 10 rebounds, Pippen on 4 of 11 shooting, and then the star of the first half for the Knicks, Charles Oakley. 6 of 12 for 12 points, 9 rebounds, and it is 38-37, Knicks by one at the half. Yeah, yeah, Marv calls it a representative Knicks-Chicago first half. Yep. Um, Not pretty. Uh, Patrick Ewing in the first half, zero points. John Starks in the first half, one point. Yep. And yet yep, somehow yep. the Knicks are trailing by only one. No, they were they were leading one, 38-37. Right, 38-37, so they were actually... Half. Up one after Ewing and Starks combined for one point. Crazy. Yeah, incredibly. Doesn't really make sense, but we'll take it. Coming into the third, my initial thought was, you know, as as the game started here was, I wrote this down, Ben, like, who the hell was Pete Myers? Like, this yeah, guy... Pete Myers had himself a ball game. This guy had some aggressive plays in the game, man. Specifically, blocking Patrick at the beginning of the third, Um, was this guy maybe I I wrote, I was like, was this guy maybe a good player and we just didn't know about him? Like what happened to him? Where did he come from? Is this someone I just totally underappreciated and knew nothing about growing up? And then literally the next possession, Marv Albert answers my question about Pete Myers and says, Oh, what a play by Myers. Pete Myers, the one time New York Nick has hit four out of four for eight points. He had a good game. Chicago, he's again here today. Okay. You know, literally as mm-hmm. he's he's battling, uh, battling, grabs an offensive rebound, put back for a layup for his eighth point. And I was like, yeah, this guy's a scrapper, of course. Yeah. And uh, so, former Nick. To answer your, yeah, to answer your question, no, he was not ever a good player. Mm-hmm. Um, he never played uh, up until the 93-94 season. He bounced around the league. He, he started uh, his pro career actually in 86 with Chicago, um, but played like five minutes a game. Um, uh, bounced around to San Antonio, Philadelphia, played uh, like a season, like two halves of a season with New York. Yeah. Uh, getting traded back to the Nets, then the Spurs. Played a couple of years in Italy um, and, you know, never averaged more than 10, 15 minutes a game. 
never averaged like his highest uh, points per game was like 7.1 uh, in the 89-90 season with the Nets, but he only played 28 games. So he was like totally kind of, you know, forgettable journeyman right. type player. Again, it was in Italy um, at the time that Michael Jordan announced his retirement. Wow. Came back uh, to replace Jordan, played in all 82 games, starting 81 of them. Um, Incredible. And uh, yeah, 25 minutes a game, um, still only averaged 7.9 points. But yeah, very scrappy, just like defensive minded, I guess. Something um, we learned throughout the course of this game is Pete Myers and Patrick Ewing were not friends. Yeah, no, no, no. They were. They did not get along and you uh, could see during it Pete's time in New York. During that initial block in to begin the third quarter. Ewing is rejected. A double rejection. And the ball knocked out of bounds, last touched. The Bulls, a remarkable play by Chicago. Uh, Patrick Ewing's move into the lane was turned away by Bill Cartwright, who challenged that shot. But Pete Myers coming from behind to knock it out. And a two blocks Ewing shot, and he is fired up, slapping, yeah. high fiving his teammates. And it is like Patrick kind of smiles to himself. He's like, okay, like that's what this guy wants to do. Like, then bring it. Let's do this, you know, Pete Myers. And yeah, uh, yeah we need, I wrote in my notes, we need Patrick to get going. Cartwright takes a seat. You know, it gets his fourth foul. There's now 9.50 left in the third, 44 to 43. The Bulls are up by one point. We need Patrick to get something going here. And, um, and yeah, just generally I'm feeling pretty nervous at this point, man. Like I was saying at the beginning yeah. of the podcast, this is the moment, about nine minutes left in the third, where I was like, yeah, we could lose this game. We could lose this yeah. game. Like this guy, Pete Myers, I was not expecting him to play so well. Like, right. he, Pete Myers is having like a totally out of nowhere. Yeah, he's you know, fired like up. Suddenly he's fired up. Yeah. That's not good. Ewing is still struggling. He finally hits his first shot. Patrick Ewing has tied the game at 45. Starks for a wide open three. Starks for three. Plank. He can't get anything going. Yeah, the, uh, having my notes here. Whistles blowing freely here at the start of the third. Yeah. Bulls with four team fouls already. Um, just not pretty basketball, but obviously, you know, the best, the best basketball. Um, uh, let's and see. Scotty, oh, man. So then I have. Scotty's just aggressive. That's the thing here. Yeah. Like... Scotty Pepper with his 13th rebound. Scotty grabs his 13th rebound with eight yeah. minutes to go in the third. And man, like just like that scoop layup that he has, he misses it, but he gets fouled attacking the basket. Mm -hmm. He misses a scoop layup. But again, I, I said this during our first Knicks bulls podcast. Like I don't want to make this a Scotty Pippen podcast. Like I'm very, you know, aware of like doing that, but you know, in the third quarter here, he has 14 points, 12 rebounds, two assists. And that's like in the, in, in the middle of the third, the yeah. guy was just incredible. Like he he really looked like athletically on a different plane than basically everyone else in the game. And yeah. it did make me think, you know, like sadly to myself, like I love our Knicks our 90s Knicks team so much and I wouldn't have had it any other way, but it does make you think like wow, if Patrick ever had someone as dynamic as Pippen to play alongside of, like Oh boy. It could have yeah. been, Can who knows? Imagine? Yeah. I mean, and granted, yeah. they wouldn't have been our Knicks. Like, we we had incredible players on our team, too. You know, guys like Oakley and Mason, like, they were phenomenal talents in their own way, and they maybe never could have had the, the careers and roles that they had if someone like Pippen was on our team. But right. it was sort of like, I, I 
popping to me how, you know, like just, I keep using the word dynamic of a offensive player. Scotty Pippen was just the way he like oh, yeah. glides down the court and attacks the rim. It was just, he looks like a modern basketball player. Yeah. There was just no one else like him yeah. on either team. Yeah. Um, just the way that he, and- he was like, we talked about, we were comping him in that first podcast to guys like LeBron or Jimmy Butler or Kawhi. It's like the, the guy could play point forward. Um, Mm -hmm. and he was just a very special distributor, really talented offensive player. Yeah. Just everything revolved around him. He could just do, do whatever was needed in whatever moment. All right. So we got 45, all eight minutes left in the third. Um, anything you want to note here i have a major major it feels like turning point that i think we should yes. watch is starks right starks is makes finally makes his first shot Ewing, back out for starks again the three and this time he hits it sucks in the defense out to three out to starks for three yeah man and just and then that that reaction the thumping of the chest the pounding of the yeah. heart oh my god yeah. Oh my two, god! Two two fists alternating, just like a like a you know chimpanzee, just ba- like pounding his his heart uh, yeah. in in that like just classic. Yeah, I mean that's the Starks I remember. Just like Starks, you know, yeah. emotionally reacting uh, after hitting one shot after missing like six straight. Yep. The Knicks are now they're now one of ten from downtown on yep. the game, um, but one three to put the Knicks at one, and it's just like. That's all he needed. Yep. And then the next possession down, you have Greg Anthony finds Starks in the corner. Starks for three. Well, John Starks, the type of shooter who can't get going after struggling in the early portion of the game. Phil Jackson upset because Starks does not play tightly. Drains another one as he falls down. Another one. And yeah. at this point, the arena is going crazy. And you got Starks pointing fingers and screaming at his teammates, pumping the yeah. fist. It is just invigorating. And at that point, I think everyone in Madison Square Garden, which Charles, uh, was John Starks. Everyone yeah, exactly. was John Starks. Every kid at home was John Starks, where you were like, hell yes, this is our yeah. time. I am sinking the like- shot. I've taken that yeah. shot a million times in my driveway at my parents' house. And it's like every time I'm John Starks, you know, falling down as I drain the three, firing up the crowd. Yeah, totally. After all the the, the pent up like frustration, just missing shot for shot. Yep. You know, it's an ugly game and you're just like, ah, come on, like when is it gonna happen? And then like the dam breaks and you're just like, all right, here we go. Yep, yep. Yeah, there's like no feeling like it. We were just like, fuck, and, yes, this is it. And of course, Phil Jackson feels the momentum swinging. He calls a timeout, which Ben leads timeout, us to commercial a time. commercial break. Face off against Mullins. He takes it up the board. Oh, penalty against Johnson. New Ocean Spray Lemonade with real juice for the taste you'll crave. That's right. We got some Ocean Spray Lemonade. Oh, baby. Does that look delicious it's, or what? It's a hockey game, Chris. <laughs> but here's here's the thing about this hockey game. Uh-huh. When you get a penalty, uh-huh. you go to the penalty box and you get to drink lemonade. It's almost like getting a penalty. They give so you lem- they they give you lemonade when you get a penalty in the penalty box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love that. So what happens? Every player on both hockey teams start picking up penalties so I'll they can go the to the box yeah. and drink some lemonade. They even trip the referee at one point. I love that. Very there's no Yeah, there's no players left, so the goalie has to trip the ref so he can get to the penalty box because he wants lemonade. So good. So good. Yeah. What's this Great car commercial. commercial? What's this car commercial after uh, Ocean Spray comes on? What is this for exactly? Uh, I'm seeing a, a four-door Acura Integra uh, oh, driving 
driving around a life board? Oh, is some that sort right? of like Monopoly. Yeah, like some sort of like real life Monopoly board or something. No, 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 not not Monopoly. It's, it's life. Oh, Come on. that's life. Excuse yeah, me. Yeah, the whole idea is it's driving around. The 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 ad starts. Remember when life was fun? Ooh, Which course. is a very <laughs> dark and dour way to start an advertisement um a- uh, appealing to just incredibly depressed middle-aged adults if you um, only knew acura that we were in the middle of coronavirus yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, um man. yeah the answer is no acura i i don't really remember when life was fun yep. um and then but, uh anyway yeah if you if you want to remember when life was fun you can grab yourself an acura and, and drive around a uh, life-size life board yeah and then of course at 111 we get the speed trailer for L.A. Cop Jack Traven. <laughs> Bobber wants $3 million or he blows the emergency brakes. Anything else that'll keep this elevator from falling? In the basement, the game began with the ultimate test. There's a bomb on a bus. What do you do? Yeah, God. another speed spot. Yep. <sighs> I want to rewatch this, man. I really want to re- rewatch this. I remember all of these scenes so well. I remember everything so about good. the the elevator. The elevator shaft. Of yeah. course. How could anyone forget that? You have Keanu Reeves mm-hmm. jumping into the bus from the car. The bus just leaping across a gap in the highway. Yeah, um, Sandra Bullock just you know somehow keeping it together, driving the that big bus. Mm-hmm. Pop quiz, yeah. hot shot. You got a hair trigger on your head. What do you do? Uh, so what good. do you do? Yeah, so good, yeah. so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now we're back. Fifty-one all. Six minutes left, Ben, in the third quarter here. Yeah. Um, Starks and Ewing have now combined uh, for thirteen. All thirteen of the Knicks points. Mm. Uh, Ewing's got six, Starks has seven uh, after they combined for just one in the first half. God, I'm seeing um, this uh, the shot of Central Park. You know, as they cut back to the game, they have like shots around New York City, kind of like city life, what's going on. Mm-hmm, Everyone mm-hmm. is just laying out in the sun in Central Park. God, it looks nice. Whew. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, it sounds real nice about it right now. Yeah, it does, yeah. Okay, we're back. Yeah, so right here is when uh, Oakley threw an outlet pass too far, and Smith has to try to run it down. That's right. And uh, he can't get to it, and he comes up hobbling uh, and, and grabbing his bad knee, and I'm just like, fuck, That's no. That's right, yep. Uh, and just a reminder that he was really playing uh, through a lot of pain. That's right. Um, and then right after that, he uh, Charles Smith goes up, misses, but he hustles to get his own board and uh, dishes down low to Ewing, like kind of like a little pocket pass in the paint after grabbing his own rebound. Dishes it to Ewing for a monster dunk. Monster jam. Monster jam yeah. from Patrick. And then Pete Myers answers in transition. Uh, mm-hmm. At the other end, 53-53, 550 left. We are all tied up. Um, and then uh, just, again, another monster slam from Pippen. Yeah, Knicks call a timeout. Of a give and go with Myers yeah. Yep, on the break. Yeah, Bulls, uh, I wrote. Yeah, Pippen just, man, he would just, like, hit, you know, he was so long and, like, lanky. Like, the way he would, like, sh- like his strides were so long. Wow. He's like a um, gazelle. And then he had, yeah, and then, like, the way he could, like, palm the ball and, like, hold it out, um, almost like Giannis, like, yep. where it was, like, when he was on the fast break, you were just like, oh, he's going to dunk it. Like, you can't, you can't stop him. Dude, no joke with these comparisons here. I mean, obviously, like, he's not the same player as Giannis, but, like, there was that sort of, like, long, lanky thing. And, yeah, uh, where it's just like I can run faster than you and hold the ball up higher than you can incredible. reach, so I'll I'll get to dunk it. Yep. Um, all right, Bulls looking great in transition. We cut to a timeout, commercial break. Uh, I have been. Uh, I'm real fired up for this McRib sandwich from McDonald's. It's a yeah, a nice little 
promotional tie-in with the new Flintstones movies. McDonald's takes you back to bedrock. Fellow Lodge members, introducing one that is truly unique, one of extraordinary appeal, the Grand Poobah Supersized Meal at McDonald's. A juicy McRib sandwich smothered in tangy sauce with supersized fries and a large coat. Last one of McDonald's is a fossil! Starring the aforementioned uh, Rick Moranis, um, I think John Goodman, if I'm not mistaken yeah that sounds right we, we get a we get a rosie o'donnell in yep, there yep yep, yep yep yeah i never saw that movie but uh yeah maybe i'll put that on my list I maybe know, i'll do man. a little maybe a little crow flintstones double header <laughs> and speed what about a triple yeah header? and of course speed yeah, yeah. finish yeah. it off with speed um mm-hmm. and then dude did you catch this coming back from commercial we have tom brokaw for oh god NBC i wrote a inside g- giant i i got the exact quote in all caps so do i because this was a holy shit moment for me immigrants legal and illegal are coming to america by the thousands what's it costing you tom brokaw reports from los thousands. angeles on a special edition of nbc nightly news monday <laughs> immigrants exclamation point yeah uh, this country uh, is just dude it oh, was, they're just crawling everywhere just, they can't be stopped it was written in Immigrants. stone man it was written in stone everything about where we are right now as a country like the seeds yeah. were like laid long ago it's just yeah this wild. was uh this was not a uh a hysterical right-wing no um, this was not you know, like blog report this was yeah. tom brokaw reporting from los angeles like, on a special edition of nbc <laughs> nightly news monday Immigrants, uh, immigrants, illegal, legal and illegal, coming to America by the thousands. Uh, what's it costing you? Uh, they've got to be stopped, Chris. I don't know what don't know, what's going on out there. No, we're gonna do. You got to stop these immigrants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ugh. My God, this is a problem. I did not realize it until I just saw this on my television. Thank but God, this is a major, man. major Th- issue. Thank God we have broke off for these pressing, you know, cultural matters, societal. Yeah, matters. I get to, I get to see just how much it's costing me for uh, for immigrants to come. All right, coming out of commercial, I have I wrote in my notes: Is Pete Myers the goat? This guy at this point has ten points, four assists, yeah. two blocks, just having yeah. a hell of a game for himself here in Game Seven. Five, five of five hasn't missed a shot. Yep. Yeah, he just. Uh, Oh, is this before or after he blocked uh, strikes from behind? Uh, that might have been I, later on. Not sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a little later on. All right. And then we going? have the uh, reverse dunk from Charles Smith. Fifty-seven all. Four minutes left. Um, they find mm-hmm. Charles Smith, Smith in the post. Jam. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I t- yeah. We talked about the evolution of Phil Jackson. This is when my brain started percolating about the the Phil Jackson <laughs> image vibe. phil jackson with his wall street makeover yeah um anything else here you want to discuss my next note is with about a minute left in the third oh well did you did we mention the um the pete myers uh and one where he's hanging gets the ball knocked out of his hands and then slaps literally just like slaps the ball while he's still hanging in the air and punched it off the glass as he drew the foul. Starks called for his fourth. That is the play of the game. That's right. Slaps it in off the glass over Patrick Ewing and one. He's now six of six. I mean, it was just a wild game or a wild play. Yeah, he's literally like holding the ball. It gets knocked out. And before he hits the ground, he slaps at it to uh, bank it in off the glass. He's now six of six for 13 points with two blocks. 
Um, yeah, and you're just Having like, what is going on? Yeah. What is happening? Yeah, 60 we to 57. Bulls are up by three. Um, they get Patrick the ball in the post. What do we have? A foul is called here on the Bulls. Um, and uh, yeah, um, anything else you want to talk about here in the in the third? Yeah, next up I have a an awesome play um, where there's a give and go where Oakley yeah. dumps it down to Ewing yep. on the on the low block, and then Ewing just taps it right back Feeds to Oakley, back. who throws down a nasty one hand jam. Yep. Ewing on a give and go. Leads to a timeout. Within one point, <laughs> I write in my notes, I am repeatedly screaming at my TV, what is the score and how much time is left? I know. <laughs> it, I know. It's a real issue with these old broadcasts. It man. was really frustrating because it made me, I had to pause the fucking thing every single time to just write down the score and the time me just too. to like keep track. It was I, really annoying. <laughs> I would say my rewatch of the game is almost like. 20 to 30 percent longer than the actual stream itself because i'm literally constantly pausing to figure out the time code yeah yeah very very frustrating i have at a timeout i don't know if you caught pretty sure i know what i have charles oakley drinking a can of gatorade during a timeout. oh wait a second i did not see that oh you gotta see this there's oak oh yeah drinking full on Gatorade can, dude! Amazing. Drinking a can of Gatorade like he got it from the goddamn vending machine at the high school cafeteria. <laughs> oh shit, dude! I haven't seen a can of Gatorade. I've like never that seen in a, a very player long time. drinking a can of Gatorade. A can. You're right. That is so weird. Yeah, Yo, you got any? Everyone, cans everyone of lemon else has lime. cups. You got a can of lemon yeah. lime for me. That just is a, chugging from a can. A can. That is wild. A can. <laughs> <laughs> Great, great catch, Chris. Isn't that wow. amazing? Yeah, every other player is drinking from a the you know classic green cup that you right. see. Starks in drinking every from, event from, from a the cup, 90s. like a civilized a athlete drinking from a paper yeah. cup. Oakley, big table full of cups. Oakley is drinking no. from a fucking can. Oak grabs a can. That is isn't awesome. that amazing. That is so awesome. It made me wow. so happy to see that. <laughs> All right, what do you got for yeah, me? I, wanna, I know you have a moment. So literally during this very same uh, timeout yeah. that we're discussing, if you listen in the background in the arena, they are playing. Oh yeah, the music. The go New York, Go, go New York, York go, go rap. Yeah, of course. Um, which I, I mean, I'm kind of amazed that we haven't talked about this at some point. I mean, it shouldn't yep. be any, you know, anyone who was a Knicks fan in the '90s knows about the song. Sure. Is, of course, the. 1994 uh, Nick's theme song, Go New York, Go New York, Go. I feel like the Go Um, New York, Go New York, Go song, frankly, and we have all the time in the world, probably deserves its own mini dive. Uh, yeah, we should do a mini dive. Let's let's save on that it because song, I but yeah. I had to do a little little deep diving about the song okay. and the man behind the song. Okay, um, and there's a lot there to unpack, so we can we can save that. Okay, uh, let's, if, I think we should probably keep it moving. If you want to unload it here, feel free. Otherwise, we're we're. I mean, we should. I mean, we should probably keep moving to be to be totally. Yeah, honest. yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. Let's do that. Um, yeah. So Oakley drinking the can of Gatorade, and then coming out of the timeout. Anthony with the shot clock. Greg Anthony sinks a three with the shock as the shot clock buzzes. Right in front of Phil Jackson. MSG is pandemonium at this point. The Knicks are on an 8 yeah. 0 run to end the third. The Knicks lead 67 63 to end the half, uh, to end the third quarter. And it is absolutely bananas in Madison Square Garden. 
Yeah, reading from my notes here. Uh, whoa, Anthony hit his three right in front of Phil Jackson. His backward momentum carried him into Phil. Yep. As soon as he touched Phil, Anthony spun around and threw a celebratory fist right in Phil's face. <laughs> so good, man. And then I wrote, yo, Greg Anthony was a junkyard dog yeah, in sure. all caps. Yeah. I always sort of remembered that. Um, you know, I always knew that he was kind of like a you know scrappy, defensive-minded point guard. But like, man, this series, like, you know, because of the sort of role that he was thrust into with Harper's ejection and suspension, um, really, really, like, kind of reminded me just like how much of a dog he was. Um, yeah, just like another one of those those guys, like, not a big name, not a you know huge part of the team, but just like totally embodied that that 90s Knicks uh, spirit. Yeah, man. And like you said, I mean, I think Greg Anthony, guys like Anthony and Starks really set the mold and like for the future expectations of what Knicks backcourt guards should be about and what they should be doing, which is like mm-hmm. playing hard-nosed, hard-nosed defense and having mm-hmm. the occasional moment as an offensive creator and scorer. Um, yeah. And, yeah. you know, maybe sometimes punching Kobe Bryant. <laughs> right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. All right, man. You know, stuff like that. Moving on to the fourth quarter. Um, yeah. And absolutely. The crowd. Yeah. 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 Go ahead. Cr- crowd in a frenzy, as Marv uh, remarks. Mm-hmm. Um, just absolutely going wild to start off the quarter. So the Knicks go in uh, up four. They're up four and they're entering the fourth quarter, which, of course, as we all know, as we've mentioned previously, the fourth quarter is a special time uh, in MSG in 1994. That's right. So the Bulls come down, and I have an absolutely filthy pass from Scotty to Horace. Led by Pippen, five gorgeous pass off the dribble, served up by Scotty Pippen for Horace Grant. 67-65. Knicks are up by mm-hmm. two with. About 10 and ten minutes and change remaining in the game. Yeah, and Phil Jackson uh, at this point has seen enough. He is, you know, he's screaming at Tony Kukoc. He's screaming at all of his Yeah, he's giving Kukoc a lot of, uh, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of heat. Grief. I feel like Kukoc just cannot do, uh, do right wow. here. Phil is talking to Kukoc about the horrible shot. He talked at the other end. Tony's trying to tell him he got fouled on the play. Phil said, no way, I saw the whole play. Jackson unloading on him over and over in the fourth. Yep. Yeah, there's a uh, that Hubert Davis shot uh, that, that misses gets uh, put home by Ewing, which was like very close to a goaltend. Um, That's right. And then yeah. I just have in my notes, uh, this crowd smells blood. They are just yep. like, they can like sense it. Um, yeah, we, we've now got about 10 minutes left. Um, oh, dude, how about the o- quote from Oakley, man? So Oakley gets to the line and he's shooting foul shots and then they put up a quote from Oakley about oh, game yeah. seven. Charles Oakley down the line for the first time. 14 points, 16 rebounds, three steals. Charles Oakley, a player who has been very vocal following Nick losses, lashing out at his teammates. After game seven, he said Sunday might go down in history. If we don't get our act together, will be history. Sunday might go down in history. If we don't get our act together, will be history. That's right. That's right. Classic. Um, yeah. And at the point that they flash that quote on screen, Charles Oakley is at the line, hits one of two. He now has 15 points, yep. 16 rebounds, and three steals. Insane. 16 um, with, yeah, about 10 minutes to go in the in the fourth. And uh, as we will discuss, that was not uh, the last of uh, we would hear of Oakley. Yep. Uh, yeah. Defense chant going, oh, defense man. chant going. 
Let's see. Yeah. Oh, Anthony makes a sweet uh, little like dribble um, off the dribble driving layup. Uh, That's Greg right. Anthony. Uh, oh, yeah. Coach fucks up again, throw, throws away uh, kind of a wild pass. And uh, Steve Kerr is like kind of like telling him to settle down, like very visibly, like, you know, trying to like control him. I love the quote from I forget if it's Marv or, or Gukas when uh, I think it was Gukas. He goes, well, this Nick defense has a way of making you do crazy things at the offensive end. Phil Jackson. Yep, yeah, it does. exactly. Yeah, it does. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, they were just fully in Kukoc's said He gets benched uh, shortly after that. Um, oh, and then there's an amazing uh, Mason sequence. Knicks are up 74-67 yep. after a uh, beautiful Ewing pass to Mason, like right under the hoop. New York's frenzy defense with some frenzy of their own. kind of like yep. dumps it um uh very like kind of craftily yeah patrick gets mason. double teamed and finds yeah patrick is double teamed finds mason in the post for an easy bucket yep 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 yep. right so right after that on the next bulls possession they miss mason grabs a rebound and just blasts down the court just like oh yes sides very 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 draymond green style very jerome just grabs a rebound very jerome bettis like <laughs> if yeah i don't mind too. saying so myself yeah just grabs the rebound just decides like oh i'm gonna take i'm gonna make a fast break um it's not like there's you know it's not like a long rebound he just grabs the rebound and just fucking flies down the court yeah um, creates his own fast break, leads to a, uh, a Greg Anthony uh, g- getting hammered on a layup. Uh, the Knicks are on a 15-4 to run at this point. Um, uh, BJ Armstrong hits another foot on the line, too. <laughs> right. <laughs> to pull the Bulls within eight. I have Hubert Davis sinks a jumper, about 7.20 left in the fourth, 77-69. Yep. Uh, Knicks are now on an 18-6 to run. Marcos. Once again, the Knicks... Myers and Ewing jawing at each Pete other. Pete Ewing having words. Yep. Marv notes. And Myers and Ewing are having words. Now we talked about this earlier in the series. Pete Myers, a one-time New York Knick. He and Patrick Ewing did not get along in their days in New York. And let's see how the officials handle this. Pete Myers very upset being told to head back the Chicago Bank. Yeah, double double T on uh, on Myers and Ewing. Hubert uh, Davis setting a screen on Pete Myers, who just whacked him with a forearm and took Ewing to the floor. And at the end of this fast break, Ewing going to give a little shove to Pete Myers to let him know he did not appreciate it. It's going to result in a double technical. Deuceball foul called on Grant um, after he can't keep Mason off the offensive boards. Um, and Gukas notes that uh, Mason's just overpowering Horace Grant, um, which uh, really put a smile on my face. Yeah, that put a smile on my face, too. So Hubert Davis takes a jumper, foul line extended type, airballs it. The ball looks like it's going out of bounds because usually when you airball, you know, the trajectory of the ball just takes it right out of bounds. It's like almost impossible to 
get the rebound unless you're like right there. So as the ball is going out of bounds, Oakley dives to the floor, swats at the ball to just barely keep it in. So it kind of trickles out and dribbles toward the sideline right in front of the Bulls bench where Ewing is able to hustle over and grab it. Takes it, puts up a three, banks it in, eighty to seventy, yeah. and I just I just have in my notes the crowd. Me too. The crowd, just yeah, bananas. So Ewing banks in the three, and Ben, for me, this is the holy shit moment. Literally yeah. in my notes, holy shit, maybe this is gonna happen. Like yeah. Patrick Ewing has banked in a three. It's a ten point Nick lead. There's five yeah, fi- five fifty to go. Five fifty to go. Ten point lead, eighty to seventy, and it's maybe. Just maybe this is finally going to happen. Maybe finally we are going to take out the Chicago Bulls. <sighs> God, I, I'm sure at the time I like didn't, I couldn't even believe it. I was just like, nope, not not even letting myself get there. Ewing pumps with... the fists, and you can see it in his eyes. You know, it's just like okay, like he he knows it too. He's like, if that shit just went down, then like. Yeah we are doing this today. Like, yeah. you know, this is happening. And then that next, I don't know if you remember it, but that next defensive rebound that he has on the following possession, the Bulls miss a shot. Mm-hmm. He literally snatches the ball off the rim and hurls yeah. it down the court. And it's like, they are just moving at a clip and a pace at that point with a confidence where it's like, oh, they're winning this game. You know, like yeah. they know you it. could feel they it with it like now. every single every single rebound. Yep. Like the crowd would react to the rebounds more than anything. Yep. Like when Ewing would snatch one of those rebounds, it was just like that's it. That's like, it. It's locked down. Of course. Like yeah. we're not losing. Yeah, this. yeah. Of um, course that's how he rebounds the ball right now. Like because we're about to win, you know. Yeah, yeah. He can taste it. Yep. Um Mason hits a baseline J and does the like tongue out, like prance up yep. the court uh, along the sideline. Uh love love to see that. And then I have in my notes here this amazing thing where, um, so with 435 left, Knicks are up 10, 82-72. And NBC basically plays like a Bulls in memoriam package. Incredible. Do you remember that? Very clearly. And um, the music for that, I was oh like, oh my God. Wow. So man. touching. This, this, this is like soft, very sad. Moving. <laughs> yeah. It's like, the, it, the, it's literally, like you said, the in memoriam music at like the Oscars when they play music over like dead people, like photos of dead people. Well, this one is far from over with 418 remaining on the fourth, but the Bulls have given basketball fans some great moments in recent years and hope to add to this. Exactly. It's the it's the plaintiff sad piano music. Yeah. Um, 
And uh, yeah, it was extremely touching. I will it was say, just shot as slow slow motion images of Michael Jordan yes. winning championships. Um, it was in that moment, and it was like saying saying goodbye. Yeah, it was in that <laughs> moment, man. Like, I I know it didn't work out for the Knicks in 1994 in terms of like long term winning the NBA championship, whatever. But mm-hmm. it's still pretty freaking cool that we dethroned the champs. I mean, the Bulls had a three peat. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I know that. I don't know that I fully processed how special it was at that time because we were just so focused on trying to win the championship. But we yeah. we effectively ended an era. You know, like like granted we didn't know that Jordan would come back out of retirement and that would change things too. But right, right. it was pretty cool, man, th- this accomplishment for the Knicks. And it, it it actually was really interesting to see that in memoriam kind of thing where it's like, oh wow, so we are we, you know, like this is like the way Durant leaving the Warriors changed basketball. You know, like mm-hmm. the Knicks beating the Bulls kind of changed what teams thought could possibly happen over the next couple of years. Yeah, and did that's totally true. Yeah, and did yeah. yeah. So yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. Like, I definitely didn't feel it quite as like I couldn't fully. Um, like appreciate it because of the fact that Jordan wasn't there. Like it didn't feel yeah. like obviously it was incredible. And, and I, and I, you know, like, yes, it would have been, you know, it would the, have been the, sweeter to beat Jordan on our home. Court. Right. It didn't fully, it didn't a hundred percent feel like the dethroning that I wanted. Um, yeah. but like, you it know, doesn't heal, I still, it doesn't heal the old wounds of losing to, you know, the, these Chicago bulls in previous years. But yeah, but there was some satisfaction to like, well, to be like, we're, we'll be the ones to end it. Yeah, yeah, like we did it. Like we were the ones that sent them home, and now Horace Grant is going to leave, and Paxson mm-hmm. is going to leave, and yeah. Cartwright is going to leave, and we have changed the Bulls. Like the Bulls yeah. will now change because of us, the Knicks, who beat them and deep yeah. run them. Yeah. Yeah. Scotty couldn't do it without Michael. That's right. Um, so we're about four minutes and change here left. Kerr misses a jumper. Now it's a 10 point lead again. We're under four minutes. Holy shit in my notes. Holy shit. Can this happen? Um, three ish minutes left. Scotty has the scoop layup 82 74. Oh, real quick. Right before that, yeah. there's another incredible. Oh my God. Moment from Oakley after Starks is forced into like a, like a 40 foot heave at the buzzer after mm. like a great, uh, Bulls defensive sequence and Oakley just skies for the offensive board. Like after like yeah. a very long and tough defensive stand under two minutes to go. No, sorry, under four minutes to go when the Bulls like really need the ball back. Um and Oakley goes up for just another offensive rebound. Um we'll get to like his final stat line at the end here. But I was just like, you know, as as I've been noting over and over again, like he was just everywhere, just like wanted it so hard. Um, and at that point, it just felt like a time of possession battle where you're just like, all right, the Bulls can't score like a certain amount of points if they are not going to get the ball. Um, and that was Oakley's 19th rebound of the game, that offensive rebound. Wow. Um, 19? Yeah. So, yeah. Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah. So, um, so, yeah, as you said, Pippen goes down, finally gets a little scoop layup. Yep. That was his first basket of the fourth quarter, by the way. Interesting. With three with 3.15 to go. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eighty-two, seventy-four. Three minutes and change left in the fourth. Um, uh, Yeah, Scotty has that scoop layup. Patrick now has eighteen points. All of them uh, have come now in the second half, along with fifteen rebounds and six assists. 
most of his damage again has, has been done here in the second half. And then Ben, I just wrote, you know, final two minutes of this game just feel like a celebration. Just feel like yeah. everyone knows. It's a, there's how a this full ends. standing ovation at the Garden with a minute thirty five left. Yeah. Knicks are up nine, and right the entire rest of the game they're just standing and cheering. Starks hits two uh, foul shots, one oh three remaining, eighty five seventy seven. We flash the New York Post headline on the screen at this point. New York Post headline: We will win it all. Says Patrick. Uh, we'll Ewing. win it all. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I know. And then, man, how about that emphatic? We are under a minute at this point. That emphatic Oakley dunk with thirty five seconds. Oh. 35 seconds away from the Knicks dethroning the Chicago Bulls. 10-point lead for the Knicks. Oakley with 17 points. They're standing and cheering here at the Garden. That's Pippen to three. Down to 20 seconds. Pippen bricks a three. Kukoc bricks a three. And then standing all ovation. of a sudden... Yep. We start hearing it. 27, the third seed in the Eastern Conference. They knock off the Cavaliers in the opening round of the playoffs. And then play a very tough seven-game series against the New York Knicks. But it will be the New York Knicks going up against the Indiana Pacers. In the Eastern Conference final, the Knicks have defeated the Bulls 87-77. to 77. My God. Oh my God. Yeah. Incredible. Uh, that sound really just like I couldn't I couldn't resist the you grin spreading across my face. You can't unhear that. Yeah. Yeah. So good. After losing to this team three straight and f- I think four of the previous five, because the Bulls beat the Knicks in eighty nine. Uh and then, and that was like a pretty, it was like a 4-2, like semifinal, um, Eastern Conference semifinal. Uh, so they beat them in 89. They beat them 3-0 in 90. Beat them, oh no, sorry, 3-0 in 91. Yeah, yeah. So it was 89. They didn't play in 90. Uh, they beat them 3-0 in the first round in 91. In 92, which is a series we should probably revisit, um, the Knicks um, and Bulls uh, faced off in, I think, the yeah, I think it was also the Eastern Conference semifinals. It wasn't the Eastern Conference finals in 92, I believe. But the Knicks were up in that series 3-2. And this was the team that had uh, Xavier that, McDaniel I was going to say, that, that was the team that had X-Men, right? Yeah. Let's talk about some of these celebrations. Patrick hugging Spike Lee, arms wide oh, open. Yeah. The big arms <laughs> wide in the, in the big wide V. The V, like just the victorious yeah. raised arms. It's just very iconic i mean there's no other way to put it just like this iconic image of patrick celebrating and oak and mason like hugging with spike lee and just you know it was just really cool man it just felt like a absolute party that we were watching on national television yeah and then completely um the ahmad rashad patrick interview i think yeah we got a patrick post game yeah yeah so the uh, the guys in the booth, Marv Albert and Matt Gukas, cut to Ahmad Rashad, who is courtside with Patrick. All right, Marv. Patrick, I know that your goal is to win an NBA championship, but it had to feel nice to go through the Chicago Bulls final. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. It feels very good. You know, everybody's been writing us off, you know, and I've been listening to all the people, you know, the commentators and everything. But we showed them that we're a better team. We came out when we had to and kicked butt. This is for my father. He told me that to see me uh, home early this summer so pops this is for you and all the 
30 yards, my lord. A lot of people thought you guys were going to come out tight, but you didn't. Oh, no. You know, they kind of took, took, um, took a little bit out of me with the two fouls early. But I kept my composure, kept my head, and, you know, came back and tried to get the job done. 18.17 rebounds, a fine job today, Brad. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. Y'all, Martin. All right, back to you, Marv. Thank you, Ahmad. You know, man, <laughs> something I'll say is that as a kid growing up in New York, like who obsessively listened to sports talk radio and read all the newspapers and stuff, like Patrick had this reputation as being sort of icy with the media and stuff and like mm-hmm. just kind of distant in press conferences and whatever. Like he definitely was available and stuff, but like he, he wasn't like gregarious or anything like that. Yeah, and, um, he didn't really play the media game. No, yeah, 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 yeah. And I have to say, like, he, in that interview with Ahmad, it's like, you just saw the personality. Like, he was such a real guy. It was so Dude, tough, man. Yes. Like, what a, what a, what a real guy. Like, just like, what a real salt-of-the-earth guy. And, um... Yeah, exactly. Like, no, I think that gets at it. Like, no pretenses. Like, there's no, like, corporate branding here. You know, there's no, like, manufactured personality. Like... And you could just tell it meant so much to him, you know, like that yeah. he earned, like they, that all of them, they earned this victory, but like they'd been through a lot. Like they, they, they were really disappointed in previous years losing to the Bulls and they fought their asses off. And yeah, he was just real proud. And like the city was so proud of him and he loved the fans. Like he really, yeah, like truly loved the fans and wanted to win for the fans and wanted to like, be a legend in new york and the fans wanted that for him too and it was just this like two-way street of like reciprocity and love and stuff between the fans and him and him and the fans and uh it was just it was just really special beautiful to 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 see dude i loved him so much um i mean you know it's no secret to any of our listeners he's my all-time favorite player like but just re-watching it and like re-experiencing him like there's something, yeah, there's something that you kind of got at where you just wanted him to win so bad. Like, even more than, like, wanting my team, the Knicks, to win, I just, like, wanted it for him. Like, yeah. I, I I, just, like, I think the thing you said about him being real, like, I felt like I knew him. Yeah. Um, and it, and it, he, he just felt like such a, like, yeah, like you said, like, just genuine guy, like, no bullshit, like, no pretense, no, like, you know... Like, he was just, like, out there playing his fucking ass off every single night. Um, and, like, sure, sometimes he had bad games, sometimes he had good games. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you, you could hear in his voice the, the fact that he reacts by saying, oh, hell yeah, yeah. hell yeah, it feels very good. Um, and then, I mean, the fact that he, that he you know, shouts out his dad, um, which is crazy because, like, I don't, I don't even, when I think back to Patrick yeah. Ewing, like, I don't, I don't think of him as having a dad yeah, because... No. He honestly, like, I mean, I thought of him, like, as a father figure myself back then, um, because he's, like, you know, at the time, he's, what, like, 30 years old, 31 years old, but he seems like he's, you know, the most adult man, um, you know, as an 11-year-old. Right. You don't, like, think of him as, like, a young guy. Um, He was, like, by that point, you know, a 10-year NBA veteran, 9-year, and he just kind of felt like he... He didn't have a dad. He'd been an adult for... Yeah, he'd been an adult forever. He didn't have a dad because he was my dad. Um, (laughs) And, yeah, the fact that he's like, this is for my father. He said he didn't want to see me home earlier this summer. Pops, this is for you. And then one thing that really blew me away 
And this is something that I had I definitely did not remember, and it's um, something that I never really remembered him doing any other time, mm-hmm. or certainly not with any f- regularity. Mm-hmm. Was at the very yeah. end as he's walking off, he says, "Yama." Fine job today, Brad. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. Yama. Oh right? I didn't miss. Yeah, I didn't dude. mishear that because, of course, Patrick Ewing is Jamaican, yeah. which was something that he never talked about. Right. Like it was never really brought right. up. Um, but I was like, the first time I heard that, I was like, "Wait, did he just say Yaman?" Yeah. And it was like really like like almost uh, like a like a like this yeah like weird like shock to hear this like insight um, to this guy who is otherwise like very private like who kept himself private who wanted to be private who had this yeah. kind of distant relationship with the media not like not like um not he 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 wasn't like um uh, there there wasn't any animosity there it was just kind of like everyone like had a yeah. respectful amount of space. Right. He just didn't really have any interest in like, yeah. But the, like, something you know. I loved about the hell yeah, hell yeah thing when they ask, when Ahmad asks him about like, does it feel good to to do this by going through the bulls? And he's like, hell yeah, hell yeah. Is like, mm-hmm. you're not supposed to say that. Like the, oh, yeah, yeah. the, right. the corporate, you know, Bill Belichick response is like, well, all that matters is like we, all that matters yeah, is we, like, we're we just, came out, we played hard. We're just we focused on the next one. And it doesn't matter who right. we beat. We're just, we're just focused on the next one. And it's like, no, like, let's be real. Like these are the guys that have been our thorn in our side. Yeah. Of course I wanted to take them out. Of course it feels good. And it's like, yeah, yeah. in that moment, I am Patrick Ewing and Patrick Ewing is me. Like, of course, yeah. of course that's how he feels. And it just felt so like, I felt so understood and so like represented by my guy, you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. He really did. It felt like we, we like shared his heart. Yeah. yeah. It was like, and, and I, I love, sounds dramatic, um, but I loved when he walks off, man, like seeing him hug the fans and like the fans mm-hmm. hug him and high fiving all the fans. It's very like, it just made me really happy because he, Patrick took a lot of flack in New York and yeah, I, of course that I, brutal New York media yeah. was often very unkind to him and, and like, this is how he needs to be remembered. Like, this is like how, and I think at, at this point he is basically remembered like this, like, uh, like we, especially because the Knicks have been so awful now for so long that like, we realize now how good we had it with this guy. Yeah. But like yeah. just seeing him, like the adulation the, the fans had for him and, you know, the love he had for the fans was very cool and very special. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And he was ours, you know? Yeah. Drafted by New York. Yeah, and... he was our guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, love it. That's it for me, man. I know I know you have stuff to do over there, so I don't want to hold you up. <sighs> but um, Yeah, no. That was uh, quite a journey. All right, let's give the wow. fans a snapshot into what they can fans the listeners what they can expect to <laughs> they're they're fans let's be honest uh, I don't um, know. <laughs> yeah they listen to us as yeah they watch so we've now dishes. we've now gone through the entirety of the 1994 eastern conference semifinals between the knicks and the bulls this What's started next? of course on a on a complete whim chris you, you picked game yep. one at random and uh it yep. quickly beha- became clear that we had to uh you know make this into a journey uh, so we've yeah. now wrapped up Eastern Conference semifinals. The Knicks' next opponent, Chris, will be none other than the Indiana Pacers Holy in the smokes. Eastern Conference Finals. Okay, so Winner, same year. So it's 1994, and we're just literally progressing into the next round. Next round, baby. Next Holy round. Who's next? Smokes. The Indiana Pacers, and oh, the God. Indiana 
pastries. That, ugh, that awful Reggie who knows, Miller. Who knows oh, what's going to happen? Oh my this goodness! This is another another hated rival of the New York Jeez Knicks. Louise. Reggie Miller, Rick Smith, ugh. the Davis brothers. We're talking the Davis brothers, oh, Chris. God, your your oh, favorites. Oh God, your favorites. Oh my God, your friend and mine. Oh God, the Davis boys. Oof. We got a hey. We got a Haywood Workman, oh, my Chris. God. Yeah, we're going to be getting into some names. I can't wait. I haven't watched uh, yeah, any of these games Same. since 1994. Again, you know, it's my memory is very fuzzy about this whole series. So Very fuzzy. I'm excited. I remember I'm excited. little snapshots. Yeah, I'm excited to go into it because this will be really a surprise. All these games will be a surprise for me. So uh, I'm excited yeah. to see how it unfolds. Yeah, I think we got to start with game one and and, uh, and, and see see what happens from there. I don't know Fantastic. exactly how many games we'll, we'll be covering, but we'll start with yeah. one and see see where we go. Um, I love it. And uh, maybe just as a as a quick little teaser, we may be offering some some sort of a palate cleanser. Uh, oh, you know, listen, palate listen, cleanser. these playoff these playoff games, man, they they take it out of me. I don't know about you, but yeah, man, exhausted. I feel like we are leaving it all on the floor. Uh, every you one know, of these games. Something I thought about you know, man, losing ten pounds of uh, of sweat. Something I thought about each, during the end of this game, you know, as it relates to us and these players, is like. God, man, these guys must have partied their absolute asses off this night. I can't imagine, or or not, or just like literally collapsed in their beds. But like, yeah. just the absolute celebration, the emotion that they felt after this thing was over. Um, so in a in a similar vein, in a similar fashion, Ben, we are going to uh, celebrate our hard work here with a little bit more of self-indulgence, a little bit of self-care. Mm. It'll be a surprise mm-hmm. what we have lined up, but that'll yeah, be... Not going to give anything away, nope, but uh, nope. I will just uh, urge everyone to uh, stay tuned as always. Yes. Um, oh, and real quick before we yeah. go, Chris, we should, since we I mentioned we would do it, we got to recap some of these uh, final stat lines uh, in Game oh, 7. Please. Yeah. Yeah, let me Specifically, Charles fucking Oakley. Okay. This guy, I mean, I, I kept mentioning his name through that the whole game, you know, diving for loose balls, grabbing offensive rebounds. So Charles Oakley played 46 out of the possible 48 minutes in game seven, 46 minutes. Um, he scored 17 points on eight to 17 shooting. He had 20 rebounds, Chris. And how many of them do you think were on the offensive board? 20 20 rebounds how many on the 20 rebounds um i on the offensive board geez what do you have like six or seven he had 11 chris oh my god more than half of his 20 rebounds were offensive rebounds jesus christ 11 offensive nine defensive 20 total four assists three steals uh playing 46 minutes um yeah i mean that dude like what a fucking guy what a warrior yeah. yeah ewing played 30 ewing played 39 minutes but that's only because uh Foul you know he only played three in the first quarter so yep. i think he played the entirety of the second, second half. half i think so um yeah he he uh, finished up with 18 points 17 rebounds six assists a block um i mean just what a yeah. monster lot like 18 points 17 rebounds six assists and a block i yeah boggles the mind Boggles of mine. I know. Yeah. I know. Um, yeah, man. And then uh, anyone else we want to take note of here uh, for the Knicks statistically? Any other stars? Charles Smith had 11 points. John Starks had 10 points. A couple of uh, assists. Um, 
And then what about for the Bulls? Pippen. Look at this Pippen line. 20 points, 16 rebounds, 5 assists, a steal, yeah. a block. Ay, ay, ay. Yeah, pretty outstanding. Although he really did disappear in the fourth quarter, That's I gotta right. say. That's I right. mean, I, I, hate, I, I hate to point it out, no. but uh, the Knicks completely, completely shut him down. What they said, I think Pippen had his first points of the fourth quarter with like three minutes left, I right? I believe he only scored two points in the quarter. Yeah. Let me see here. Uh, I have, yeah. Uh, Pippen scoreless with four minutes to go. Finally, gra- yeah, that scoop layup. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, after that, he missed a hook shot, missed a three. I'm pretty sure he only had two points in the entire fourth quarter. Um, wow. Wow. Yeah. I mean, listen, I don't want to say that he's, uh, you know, that he's a choke artist or a, uh, you know, or a, or a second banana, but let's just say he, he didn't really come through in the big yeah. in the big moment, Scotty. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. tough, tough series, tough series <laughs> for him. All right, man. Listen, this has been a ton of fun. Uh, I can't wait to hop into the Indiana Pacers series. I can't wait for our palate cleanser. Um, uh, stay so safe. So much good stuff ahead. Yeah, man. Stay safe. Stay focused. Stay inside. You too. Keep washing yep. those hands. And uh, I'll talk to you real soon, all right? All right, man. All right. Hope you guys enjoyed that. My name is Chris Wendelkin. This is On The Line. You can tweet at us at online underscore pod. Find us on Instagram. Check out previous episodes on our website, onthelinepodcast.com. Uh, rate, review, subscribe to the show in Stitcher, iTunes, Google, Spotify, wherever you get podcasts. Have a great week, and we will talk to you in a little bit.